Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and today on Sunday, actually, October 13th, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How are those wings sitting in your stomach? I am so full right now. <laughs> I Me too. I was going to stop with three left, and then I was like, you know, if I eat these as leftovers, I'm just going to be angry that I don't only have three to eat. Yeah. So I went for it and ate them all. So let's set awful. up the scene here. You have a good friend from college. His name's Ben. Yes. Right? If, He's if, my uh, Monster Hunter partner. And if it wasn't for him, you probably would have never gotten this into collecting Pokemon and Shinies. Yeah, it's his fault. Like, my Pokemon addiction got screwed up like we talked about i think like episode five i think was our pokemon episode Mm -hmm. from him with like ivs and evs and that was rick's fault because i just played casually give me a charizard i'll level it up on whatever now it's hey i need to on old versions level up on like pidgeys for speed and like other things for attack Mm -hmm. stupid stuff yeah now it's ben with shinies and wonder trading the second i saw wonder trading i was I was ruined as a human being. That's a true story. So Ben is moving down to Florida, uh, unfortunately, you know, but he's not too far. You guys can still hop on PSN chat and play Monster Hunter and Wonder Trade together. Yeah, no, it'll be a good time. And we get an excuse to go down to Florida now. Absolutely. And swim with the manatees. Yeah. And learn how to fish. Absolutely. So I've only caught bluegill. Oh, yeah? Just lame fish. I caught a shark once. Did you? Yeah, it was in Myrtle Beach. I think I was about 10 years old. We were fishing off the pier and I caught about... Oh, it's about a foot long, 12 inches maybe, little yeah. shark. And I also caught an eel, oh. which was really nice, and then just regular fish. Okay. Fishing in the ocean is kind of freaky because you're on the edge of this pier. It was late at night, and you just see all this water below just really intense, and it, I get fearful of like something pulling me in and drowning and yeah, dying like at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Ryan, we have a packed episode today. A lot of stuff to cover, and honestly, a lot of it we probably end up we won't cover because Ryan and I were going to record yesterday, but Lauren had a 5K with her girlfriend and she couldn't occupy Scoob for the two to three hours we would have ended up recording for. Yeah. So Ryan came over, hung out with the psycho Scoob for a little bit. And, you know, I influenced you enough to buy Ukulele in the Impossible Layer. Yes. You the, did. Of course, the two and a half D sequel platformer to the original 3D platformer Ukulele by Team 17 and Playtonic Games. I'll be talking about that later. Don't even worry about it. But we weren't able to calm Scooby down, so we said, let's record Sunday. We wanted to record at around like 2.33, but then all the systems were down at the restaurant, so that prolonged that whole fiasco. And yeah. then uh, here we are, recording at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we don't want to be here until 7 o'clock because my Steelers are playing the, what are they now, the LA Chargers? They're, they're the San Diego Chargers, let's be real here. No one in LA cares what about the Chargers. What time is that game? 8.30 or 8.15. Oh, wow. That's when that starts. Game. And I'm going over to my dad's place to watch it, so... You know, it's a 15-minute commute. Yeah, and I have laundry to do. Gosh, life is horrible. I know. And I have Monster Hunter and, you know. It ain't easy being Ryan, folks. It's hard. But anyways. I have to cook. Yep. We, we probably won't hit all of the points that we wanted to, uh, or that we talked about last week. So last week, we talked about doing five of the final hypotheticals. 
back of the box trivia, of course, the games we've been playing and all that fun stuff. What we're going to do definitively for this episode is, of course, talk about Resident Evil 7. I know everyone's on the edge of their seats trying to figure out what happened next. Yes. Ryan in particular. Talk about ukulele in the impossible layer and an update on Ryan's shiny collecting because I know everyone is anxiously anticipating that news. <laughs> Shit on me about that. And then we also want to talk about the recently announced PlayStation 5 news. Yes. So we want to talk about all that fun stuff. And if we have enough time at the end, we'll do five hypotheticals. Okay. And listeners also came in strong yeah, with... Yeah, thanks for all your questions. 19, like 19. Instagram questions. And uh, our boy Chronolink91. All right. <laughs> this guy... I just listened to it. He recorded himself uh, a couple weeks back, coming back from a concert, and we probably regrettably encouraged him to send in another audio clip like that. Well, this one's like three times as long. We got six and a half minutes of Chronolink going on about something. I don't know because um, I had Ryan listen to it first because when I play things through my computer, I'm actually wearing headphones and Ryan is not. So he's not hearing the audio coming out of that. So I just want to make sure... To either sit really close or... And I don't really like when Ryan sits in my lap. It's just not that kind of a yeah, day. this is in episode one and two. <laughs> exactly. So we've kind of moved past that. So we will be playing that later in the episode. Don't even worry about it. Ryan, I watched a movie yesterday. What'd you watch? Well, there's a great TV show. It's kind of underground. Not many, many people talked about it back during its heyday. And it's called Breaking Bad. Ever heard oh, of it? Oh, no. <laughs> no, what is that about? It's about people cooking crystal meth, actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, so, so anyways, the, the, the highly praised, well-regarded show, Breaking Bad, it's no secret that they recently announced that Vince Gilligan directed, wrote, um, kind of a follow-up to the events of the TV show. And it's called El Camino. And I don't want to get into spoiler territory because we probably have some folks out there that haven't watched Breaking Bad. Yeah. But if you're considering watching and if you're a big fan of the show, I would highly encourage you to do so. I will say that it, there isn't like any mind-melting revelations of the show. I think um, Breaking Bad, for me personally, um, for all the TV shows I've watched, I think it kind of wrapped everything up. Its characters, arcs, and you know, lingering questions you may have had pretty perfectly. Like mm -hmm. I, I've yet to watch a show where the ending is so satisfying and really kind of ties all the knots together. Yeah, and so. When it was announced that we were going to get more of that, more Breaking Bad, I was kind of scratching my head because I didn't really need more. Yeah. And having watched this, I still kind of feel like it was unnecessary, but I'm not mad that they did it because it's incredibly filmed, incredibly well acted by, of course, Aaron Paul, who plays the main protagonist, Jesse, in this. And there are some... You do see some of the more favorite characters in the show as well. They're, they're in this movie... Um, it's like flashbacks both flashbacks and in real time or yeah. current day but I would say that this is this is Jesse's movie this yeah, is this is about is. him coming away from being captured by um, Todd and his um, his, his, his uncle I think is what it was mm -hmm. and you know his his freedom and coming to terms with the reality that he now finds himself in post you know Walter White cooking crystal meth days yeah. and um it's a great story. It's just over two hours. Again, well worth watching. But again, it doesn't. It didn't do anything for me in terms of um, either changing or shifting my opinions. And it certainly doesn't. There's nothing groundbreaking about the story that's revealed here. You know. Yeah. So I'm about halfway through. I wanted something less stressful. And why would you want something less stressful, Ryan? I don't know. Relaxing is overrated. But I figured I should do it once in like every six months. Oh well, I was kind of you know pointing and alluding to the other movie that you watched yesterday. 
Oh, yeah. So I watched, what is it? Miss Midsummer? Midsummer? I think from the director that did Hereditary. Yeah, so that one's it's basically a group of friends are in America. Spoilers for what happens. You you don't care if I spoil this. No, because I feel like with things like this, even if you spoil the plot, the I sheer mean, terror of, of watching it is still there. Yeah, so it's, I mean, you see a lot of kind of like the creepiness in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like the trailers show a bunch of people in like white robes in Switzerland, like dancing around a pole and stuff. And I almost feel like they're at Woodstock or something. It looks really hippie-ish. Yeah, kind of. Hippie cultish. Yeah, it's very cultish. And so it's a group of, like the beginning is super fucked up. Like, um, so spoilers probably for the next like five minutes for this movie. Yeah, if you don't want to see or hear about Midsummer. This is actually a spoiler cast. I spoil everything about video games, and Ryan does that about movies, so strap in, folks. Yeah, I try to warn people, though. You just kind of blow it. I just go right in. Yeah, so um, the beginning is this girl. She's on the phone or, like, calls her boyfriend, and he seems less than enthusiastic. To hear from her? Yeah, like, he's not, I don't know. He just doesn't like her as much. Okay. And um, she's, like, kind of scared because her sister's having a manic... Um, attack or whatever. Okay. She's bipolar or something like that. And then it cuts to the friends and he's like, yeah, you need to dump your girlfriend. It's like four guy friends Mm -hmm. and they're in a bar. And then um, he's like, you can date someone else like the bartender or whatever, like a normal typical scene. And then he gets another phone call from him and everyone's like, dude, just don't even answer. From the girlfriend. Yeah. From the girlfriend. And like, I think it's the beginning. She's like typing on a computer like where like I haven't seen the parents in a while and the sister says goodbye or something like that and then didn't respond. So the boyfriend in the bar gets a call from her again. She's just screaming and you're like what the heck is going on? And it cuts to like a house with fire like the fire department. Mm-hmm. And it's like the back of a vehicle in a garage with hoses from the exhaust like piped through a house. What the up until like the parents' rooms, and it, like the parents are dead. Her parents are dead. Okay. Because the pipes from the exhaust were like monoxide poisoning. I think is it. Yeah. Is that what you get from it? Yep. And then uh, it then it goes to a different room where there's there's two pipes from the exhaust, and the other one is hooked. Like the sister had pipe put one in her mouth and taped it to her face. What the fuck? And then she's like on the computer where she says goodbye is like above her head on the desk behind her. So she committed suicide and killed her parents. Yeah. And it was because I think the message was like, yeah, I'm going to take the parents with me or something like that. Bye. And then, yeah, so she's obviously distraught about that news. And it cuts to her like screaming and her boyfriend's trying to console her. So it's okay. So let's let's rewind here. So this guy's girlfriend's sister is the one that killed herself and her parents. Yes. Got it. Yeah, so the girlfriend is kind of the distraught one, kind of like emotionally unstable. Okay. For good reason. Yeah. Um, so the boyfriend, he's like, hey, I'm going to go to a party just for a few minutes with my friends. And it comes out that he was planning to go to Switzerland with the friends, and she didn't know about it. So he ends up inviting her, and like they go to the house. The friends weren't cool with that, except for one friend who used to be part of this uh, commune or commune mm-hmm. in Switzerland. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, come along. It'll be a good time. Like, he seems enthusiastic about her going. So they get to Switzerland. They are, like, in a field. It's, like, four hours away out in the middle of nowhere. And they take some, like, trippy drugs. And they're just sitting there and, like, 
just grass is growing out of her feet and like she sees people cool and like just hallucinogens yeah kind of stuff and uh then they end up trekking or walking the next day into this field and there's like a giant yellow pyramid and like no one's allowed to go there's like these houses everyone's wearing like these white robes and like you're like oh this is i could see how this is unsettling and then like they split off to go to their houses and the two people are like oh what are these signs and it cuts to these like murals that are like on posts Mm -hmm. kind of like a uh where you hang out your clothes to dry sure yeah and like it cuts it's going back from the store or i think it's it goes right to left. I don't know if that's how Europeans read. I know Japanese read right to left. Yeah. But it's telling a story and it's like basically this girl falls in love with this guy and like to put him under a spell, she cuts off her pubic hairs and feeds it to him in like a pie. What? And I was like, that's a weird mural to have up. And like there's these constant like like murals everywhere that kind of, I don't know. Pre, not prelude they foreshadow okay events that are going to come yeah and you after you see that mural you're like wow this is weird all right I let's guess. fast forward to the end so how does this movie wrap up they're they're talking to like okay, these so this like weirdo the, uh, community I'll, people now hit the main events so yeah. that's just they're in the place so the first crazy thing that happens is the guy the friend who was, used to live in the commune explains your life is like seasons and like the first season like fall or whatever is one to 12 and then it's like 12 to 30 or like 20 and then 36 to 72 is the last season and they're like uh what happens after 72 and he just doesn't like kind of just leave and don't address it and then they all sit down in this dinner and like two people come out they start their dinner and everyone else follows after them in this weird like cascade of uh them eating and then they get they drink their like shots and they get carried away like on people put them like on these chairs and carry them up a hill they like, oh, this is weird and then they cut their hands with a knife and they bleed on like a a ruined stone mm-hmm. and you're like oh this is interesting and then they look out over the crowd of people from on top of this cliff and then you're like maybe they're saying goodbye or something and then the girl just falls off the cliff and smashes her head into a rock <laughs> and you're you i mean heredity you see the girl's head it's like disgusting detail yeah uh when she chops her head off but like this is the same thing it's like super gory and you're like oh that's gross and then the guy he's next her husband just jumps right off he f- just falls Instead of like going face first into the rock, he just falls like vertically. Oh no! His legs just go. He crashes and then he he's still alive. Oh no! And you just see his shattered, mangled leg. Oh my god! And then gosh. like the people, like obviously everyone who's not from this cult, after the first one that he smashes his head, everyone's just screaming. <laughs> like they're like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, do we not see this? Like, are we allowing this?" And he jumps off and like. You see his mangled leg. He's still, like, there coughing up blood. And, like, his eyes are all bloodshot because of everything. And uh, the one of the girls in the crowd has this giant mallet. And they oh, walk no. over to him and just smash his head in. And, like, a group of five people just take turns smashing his head in. What the f- And you're... <laughs> this part, I was like... Why wow, are you watching this of, movie? Yeah, I was <laughs> like, it's going to be one of these rides. So, like, the next thing, like... Throughout the movie, it shows the boyfriend just 
not caring like at all from what she's saying like slowly the like americans are disappearing so like the first one she's like yeah we need to get the there's like a couple and they they tell her like oh yeah your boyfriend went to the train like it was only a two-person truck like you can go with them and then you just never see from them again like mm. they're just gone or like oh yeah i mean the people are like oh yeah she went to the train station too and then you forget about them you're like they're probably dead yeah kind of thing and then one of the guys he's what's that leonardo dicaprio movie with the bear the revenant the revenant um one of those he was also in maze runner the bully in maze runner you know that actor um let me he, check this um out. he's one of the group like the main oh group. he was also um in the third narnia movie i know you're talking about he kind of has weird eyes yeah, there's something wrong with him. Uh, in the movie or in real no, life? No, no, I don't. I don't know who. Just so we're thinking of the same person. No, I know what you're talking about. So let's just say Midsummer. The Maze. director's cut. Maze Runner. Yeah, Will Pal- Palter. Poulter. Um. Yeah, yeah. Will yeah. Palter. Yep. So he's in here, and like. After they end up burning the bodies of the people that jumped off the cliff, okay, and then they spread their ashes um, near this tree. And the dude has no idea the rituals of this place, and um, his character goes over and is just peeing in the like off the side into the bushes, um, like right behind this tree that had fallen. And then the people in robes just started yelling at him. They're like, oh, you're peeing on our ancestors. And apparently that's where they jump all the ashes of all the people who have, like, died. Oh, no. So he's peeing on the ancestors. And uh, then, like, constantly the, like, thing is the girls are, like, hitting on the guys. Like, the girls from the commune are hitting on the guys or, like, luring them in. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the girls, while he's at dinner, like says hey you want to come with me and like he's constantly being eyed by the guy who he peed on their ancestors so he he goes away with the girl you never see him again there's like the douchey boyfriend and like this black guy are trying to write their thesis on this place Mm -hmm. and the uh the black guy goes and takes pictures of like their sacred book and he gets his head bashed in of course he's gone so it's by the end it's just the boyfriend right boyfriend and the girl the girlfriend oh so the boyfriend took his girlfriend there yeah okay i missed that that story beat okay yeah so she's there and there's this um red-headed girl that like the entire movie is like alluring them or trying to like there's a lot of inbreeding in this place and they constantly they try to get outside people to uh impregnate them Mm. so like this red-headed girl like has the hots for this boyfriend and it's like come on come on yeah. and like he's eating his thing and finds like one of her pubes in his oh body. my gosh You're like, what is going on and so he takes drugs and there's like this thing that they want to ward off these demons and like to they like dance around this thing and the last person standing is the may queen and the girlfriend gets the like is the last one standing so she's the may queen gets his crown and one of the girls gives the boyfriend some drugs to make him like more susceptible or like lower his inhibitions mm-hmm. to like not turn down the redheaded girl. Yeah. And so she gets carted off as the May Queen and he 
like the entire village is at this table and one girl comes out and is just doing a line of flowers on the ground and basically the entire village watches he leaves to go like impregnate this redheaded girl mm-hmm. like this is weird and he gets to the door of this place and it's just a line maybe like 10 or 12 naked women like older women with oh. her on a bed of flowers just like hey with her legs open and you're like okay and then like so he goes in and there's lots of dick that you see in this movie oh my gosh and like he starts going at it and all the women like as she's like moaning are behind her mo- like moaning as well oh it's like, then, so like it's just some giant orgy fest no like they're just sitting there making like, noises around them naked watching her being like man talk about screwed. getting stage fright i and, mean right and yeah. then like the girl midway through like reaches up her arm and her mom grabs her hand and is just sitting there like looking him in the eyes <laughs> it's just like what is going on uh-huh. and then like by the end like there's a girl in the behind him like pushing his ass into the girl he's like, and he's just like what even is this and he's like she, the girl's just yelling finish <laughs> and then the mate the, um, this sounds like a college party gone wrong is what this it, sounds it's like it's really weird I was like I don't know what I'm watching and then the May Queen the girlfriend gets back and like sees through the window the, like what's going on and she starts screaming obviously and um, yeah so he gets out, sees that she's upset, obviously, because he, she, the girlfriend, saw the boyfriend screwing, like in an orgy setting. Yeah, and um, then he runs into a different house and sees one of his friends who disappeared, like strung up, with his like back opened. Oh my god! And gosh. you see his like lungs are out, but they're still pumping. Oh, and you're like he's still alive. Like his eyes were filled. The eye socket's filled with, like, flowers. Like, it's just fucked. And then there's, like... They paralyze him because he saw that. The boyfriend? Yeah. And, like, there was randomly a bear in the beginning of the movie. And they're like, there's a bear here. He's like, are we going to address this? And he's like, oh, it's just a bear. And so what ends up happening is... Like, you see pictures of, like, bears and stuff on the wall, but it's on fire. So you're like, what is going on? And the whole thing is about sacrificing nine people. Mm-hmm. So it's like the seven or the group of friends and then two volunteers from the commune. And they go into this giant yellow pyramid. And then the paralyzed boyfriend from like whatever that powder they blew in his face. They stuff him into the dead bear. So like he sees out of the bear's mouth and they put him in this yellow, the yellow pyramid thing. And they light it on fire. And then the girl who's in this giant dress of flowers is like looking at it as it burns this thing to the ground. And then she smiles and then it ends. (laughs) What even? Why? I don't. I don't know. I was sitting there. I'm like, this wasn't scary. It was creepy and like cultish. And I enjoy cults. Yeah. I'm a part of one. I know you are. (laughs) No. um, The shiny cult. Yeah. That is, yeah, it's a dangerous lifestyle. And, uh, yeah, so that was the movie. Well, that's uh, probably not one I'm going to rush to the theater or my nearest blockbuster to pick up. Yeah, it was a couple dollars on the PSN store. Well, maybe we should move on to a lighter category of things. Let's talk about Resident Evil 7. Yeah. Did I watch any other movies? No, I... uh, 
after Breaking Bad halfway through, I went to Dexter. Because it's just a, I mean, it's a show about serial killers, but it's like a fun mm-hmm. serial killer show. It's not like, let's be serious and like go into graphic detail. Mm-hmm. It's like a serial killer who kills bad guys. It's more of like a drama. Nice. Well, I, um, I watched more Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yeah, you did. You started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So I, re- I get some, probably about four or five episodes through the first season. So nothing crazy. I haven't gotten any binge sessions yet. Um, but I foresee, foresee myself doing that soon because I feel like it is going to get to a point where it picks up so much that I just don't want to put so it down. So what happened? So recently, um, they went into this city where there was this priest-like person performing all of these crazy miracles, and he said that it was all related to, to God. And so all these people were kind of, he was amassing this large number of followers because they were all buying into this religion of his because Leo. they thought that he was um, actually performing these miracles. Well, it turns out he actually borrowed the philosopher's stone from our boy Voldemort. <laughs> and he had this ring on, and Edward clearly picked up on that pretty fast. He confronted him about it, and he ended up um, luring him up to his office and had him basically confess the, yeah. the truth of the matter, that he was actually using this philosopher's stone to perform all these miracles, and Edward had it echoed throughout the entire city. So in very Japanese fashion, you have all of these faces just completely bewildered yeah. that they bought into this, and like they even pan into this person that's in a cafe like pouring someone coffee, <laughs> and it's just seeping over the cup, just overflowing, and everyone's just completely shocked. I love the reaction of his face. It's like very Japanese, where like he realized it, and then his mouth is like, like it yeah. opens, yeah, just wide open, gaping. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the episode, his daughter is just complete a complete mess because she had believed into this her her whole life and everything like that. And this really creepy like choir like music starts playing <laughs> as Edward and Alphonse walk away, yeah. and then lust and gluttony confront the priest. She ends up like freaking stabbing him in the head with her long fingernails and then gluttony just casually eats him yeah so i was like okay shit's getting real now this so is the show about them confronting the seven deadly sins uh no kind of they're just yeah so they're like the team rocket pokemon the city of leor which is one of like many cities in illustrious i think is the the continent's name okay and um the whole quest is about um Edward and Alphonse trying to get their bodies back. And they think the way to do that is through the Philosopher's Stone. Okay. Which is, it doesn't allow... It basically allows you not to have to transmute stuff. You can just do it without... uh, What was it? Not equal. You have to give an equal amount to receive, Mm -hmm. right? So, they gave up their bodies and he... Yeah. Okay. But you'll just have I can't give it away yeah no that's fair that's fair but there are deadly sins in there cool no I'm looking forward to watching more I'll probably report back throughout the week or throughout the episodes just because it is part of the Night Owl Media segment so yes good stuff so let's get into Resident Evil 7 I got some shit on the discord from Chronolink 9 uh, for basically spoiling the whole <laughs> whole game <laughs> but I will say Ryan egged me on because he knew he didn't want to play it and he said Rusty just go ahead I think we said spoilers I did I got to a point I talked about it for like 15 minutes and then I got to a point, I probably walked through the first three hours of the game and I said, all right, now we're getting the spoiler territory. And I just, you know, talked about the whole thing. So if you don't want to know the ending to Resident Evil 7, I would say fast forward like five minutes. If you don't mind, 
you know, stick around, whatever. Or don't even listen to this podcast. Just just shut it off. Yeah, just leave. Um, so Resident Evil 7, last week we picked up, um, we just got into this giant ship. I yeah. saved Mia and I killed Jack, the, the father mm-hmm. of this family. Does he ever come back? Or he's pretty dead. He's pretty dead. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to back to that. Okay. Don't even worry about it. So you and Mia are traveling on this little lifeboat. And you get to this giant ship. Yeah. Well, then you're attacked by some monstrosity and you get sucked under the water. You wake up playing as Mia. Well, then you see your boyfriend, Ethan, taken by this black, mysterious figure. Mm-hmm. And like this venom-like monster. Yeah. Well, then you're playing as Mia, kind of exploring this ghost ship. Um, it's clearly been um, abandoned for, for quite some time. At least, well, it's been abandoned for three years. Let's just say that because that's how long Mia's been missing. Well, it turns out you do, you play this VHS tape that you find mm-hmm. um, because that young little girl that I talked about last week yeah. leads you to this room, gives you the tape and said, play this. So you play this tape, you find out that your, your wife Mia was actually this covert um, operative who was traveling on this ship. She had created this young person, Evelyn, as a bioweapon. They were going to use it for whatever. I'm not really sure. Well, it went absolutely wrong and she escaped her, um, like she was contained. Mm -hmm. Um, Evelyn was this young girl. And once she escaped, she just started wrecking havoc on the ship. She started infecting people and with, um, prolonged exposure, the people that she comes into contact with become mutated and turn into those nasty black monstrosities. Okay. So she's just like a walking virus. Yes, she is. And so, after you play this video, at the very end, um, Mia runs into this room after she, just after she's been infected by Evie and starts pl- um, recording herself. And the video she's recording is the video you see in the beginning of the game playing as Ethan, um, of her saying, Ethan, if you find this, stay away, don't come and find me. Yeah. So, you go back to present day, you're playing as Mia, you're exploring the ship, um, constantly seeing the ghost of, of Evelyn kind of either chasing you around or leading you around. Well, you find Ethan's body kind of um, prisoned in this giant black moss. You kind of rip him out and save him, and she gives you this little vial that is kind of like the last little serum that you need and pushes you out of the door and closes the door, and you see Evie behind Mia, like getting ready to grab Mia. And she just says, go, get out of here. So you as Ethan make your way through this this mine that you find. Somehow that magically leads back to the house of the Baker family. So you, you're off the ship at that point. You're off the ship. And what's interesting is when Ethan was kind of imprisoned in that black moss, he had almost this um, kind of euphoric afterlife purgatory-like experience where he was sitting in a room with Jack Baker it's, it's funny. His name's Jack Baker in the game, yeah. and we know Jack Baker. Um, he's he, probably just as crazy. Yeah. So he's sitting on the couch with his wife, Marguerite, and he's instructing you. He's pleading, Ethan, save us. Um, because what ended up happening is three years ago when the ship crashed, Mia ended up taking, taking Evelyn to this house and infecting the family. Oh. So they used to be a normal family, and then once they got infected with the virus, they became fucking nuts. And so... He's pleading, save us, save my family, end this so that we can all be a family again. So like, hey, kill us all. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting because as you're traveling the house, you're replaying scenes from earlier in the game. So when you turn this corner before you walk up to the attic where Evelyn supposedly is on your little meter on your map, it replays the scene of when um, Mia cut off your hand. And just before she cuts off your hand, you see Evelyn in the background egging her on to do it. So it's like she was possessing her the whole time, saying, cut off his hand, do it, kill him, he doesn't love you type of thing. When you make it up to the attic, Evelyn, the, the little girl, is, is standing there just you know, yelling at you, saying, you can't come any closer, you can't do this. And she's like spitting out these giant gusts of wind. Will you run up your way and finally make it to her? And as you stab her in the neck with this serum to cure her, hopefully, it fasts forward. She's actually the old lady grandma that's been sitting in the wheelchair in the house. So the result or the side effect of her becoming corrupt and um, with this virus is that she aged like exponentially faster than another human. So she was actually that old lady just sitting around the house. And after she, after it fast forward to present day, she then turns into like this gargantuan nasty black monster that's like three times the size of the house. She picks you up and throws you on the ground, and that's when these three helicopters come by, chuck a weapon at you, you pick it up, and then shoot her like three to five times with this giant rocket launcher and kill her. Uh-huh. And once Resident you, Evil Final... Is it Final Boss? Yeah, Seven Final Boss. Right. And once you kill her, she, of course, collapses. Someone, you know, jumps oh. out of the helicopter, takes off a mask and says, Hi, I'm Chris Redfield with Operation Raccoon, whatever. Um, we're here to save you. And Chris Redfield's one of the main protagonists of the Resident Evil series. Oh, cool. I mean, he was one of two main protagonists in the first game that you could play as. Either Jill Valentine or Chris Redfield. So it was kind of interesting that they they did bring it back to the Resident Evil bigger, grander universe yeah. at the end of it all. And once you're kind of lifted out into the helicopter, Mia's actually sitting next to you. And, you know, you live supposedly happily ever after. That's interesting. So... It was kind of a, it was a cool ending. I mean, I I think I ended up beating it in about ten to eleven hours, which I think was a perfect um, perfect amount of time for a game as intense as this was. But I absolutely loved it. It was so much. It was so far beyond what we've seen in previous entries in Resident Evil. And speaking of, I actually was just you know in the Resident Evil mood. I'm like, you know what? Let's just keep going. I ended up popping in Resident Evil Six. Yeah. So this is a game I hadn't played. It was not reviewed very well back in the day when it was originally released. I think it was kind of like low 60s on Metacritic. And I wanted to give it a shot. And so I did. And it's honestly should not even bear the Resident Evil name. It should just be generic zombie action shooter. It's just an action. It's like basically Call of Duty with zombies. Oh, It's super intense. You're just going from corridor to corridor. Very minimal puzzle solving. Just shooting up a bunch of zombies. And what really sucks is... It was built with co-op in mind, and so you actually, um, you know, in Wolfenstein Youngblood, you couldn't you couldn't uh, pause the game. Yeah. Well, this is very much the same way. So when I started it, um, I was like, yeah, I don't want to play with other people. I thought I set server to offline. Well, I didn't. I still had the door open that if someone wanted to join my game and play, they could have. Yeah. So I couldn't pause the game, and there's no save feature in this game. There's just checkpoints. So in all previous Resident Evil games, you walk up to a typewriter and you save your game. Mm-hmm. And then in 7, there was a, um, a tape player that you saved your game with. But in this, there's none of that. You just There's checkpoints 
haphazardly throughout the levels. And so I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to put this down for a bit, exited out. I thought I got to a checkpoint. I didn't, and I lost like 30 minutes of progress. That sucks. So it's just not a great game, just structurally the way it was created with with online in mind. Um, If you set it to offline completely, you can go through the game um, in totality, beginning to end by yourself, and you can pause the game. There's actually like four to five different stories going on. So the story that I finished and played through this week was Leon Kennedy of Resident Evil 4 fame. And this random girl called Helena was his like kind of partner in crime in this. And as any Resident Evil game starts, a giant outbreak happens. When you're playing as Leon and the outbreak um, begins in Washington, D.C., you're looking after the president of the United States. He turns into a zombie. You put a bullet in his brain, and that kind of kicks off the adventure. Okay. So I, re- I started Chris Redfield's campaign, but again, it's just so generic and just not in any way a compelling story that like seven just had such an interesting story that was so far outside of the grander Resident Evil universe mm-hmm. that it really sucked you in. Plus it was in first person and just this just completely screwed up psycho family. Yeah. Um, very atmospheric. It really went back to the roots of horror and Resident Evil six is just, Hey, let's just do the, the, the crazy call of duty action packed, blockbuster film of a game and it just does not not deliver yeah that's unfortunate do you ever play fear no i did always i was always interested in those games particularly on the 360 funny you say that though i added fear onto my steam wish list not too long ago fear and fear 2 i remember fear being a ton of fun mm-hmm. like the gameplay itself because you can slow down time oh really yeah it has that kind of unique mechanic i think you didn't really enjoy those you'll have to check it out it was they're Damn. terrifying like, I remember one scene, you, like, come out of the bathroom, and there's just a girl standing there, and she just sprints at you and then disappears, and you're like, I think we screamed and turned on the lights. I remember that being one of the, the, the more creepier aspects of the game, is this young girl, like, chasing you around. Yeah, young girls are terrifying. Well, there was one Resident God, Evil 7, middle too. school was the worst. <laughs> They're everywhere. So, Resident Evil 7, if you are into horror games or just really uh, a really frightening time, check it out. It's good times. Resident Evil 6, not so much. I also popped in the original Resident Evil because it was um, completely... Here we get into the remaster remake debate that we will get into later with Chronolink's question. Um, I would say graphically it's been completely um, overhauled and polished for HD consoles. It looks fantastic. I would say... I don't want to say it hasn't aged well because of course Resident Evil was on the original PlayStation so you have to um, take it with a grain of salt in terms of mechanics. Yeah. The controlling in Resident Evil games is already kind of tough to get used to and I would say in this one um, they've done a good job of updating it for, for current day systems that it isn't as archaic as it once was the The tough thing with this original game though is that item management is critical because you only have like 10 slots in your pack and I think you might be able to expand it later in the game but you can only hold so many items and items are littered all over the place in Resident Evil yeah but the setting's fantastic. Of course, you're, you're in this mysterious mansion playing as Chris Redfield or Jill Valentine. I chose to play as Jill first. Um, I think it's about four to six hours, depending on how quickly you play the game. For, that was a quick game. For each campaign. Yeah, it's not too terribly long. But the thing that kind of sucks is, is you have these little ribbons, and you, you use these ribbons to save in the game. And if you die, you go back to the last time you save. There's no, like, little mini checkpoint systems, right? Yeah. And I was being very cautious because I didn't know 
if I was going to get lost and ended up dying. So I saved repeatedly, like every time I got the chance to do so. And then I ran out of these little ribbon things. Oh, you have limited saves? You have limited saves. That sucks. So that just kind of stressed me out. I kind of shelved it because the following day, Ryan, a, a particular game came out. Yeah, and you hate this game. I love it. Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. I spoke about it in the beginning of the episode. I'm having an absolute blast with this game. If you didn't enjoy the original or you're not a fan of 3D platformers, um, I say this is definitely a welcome alternative for fans of the Donkey Kong Country games in particular. I think a lot of ex-Rare developers um, you know, had their hands on this this game, and it's certainly evident because it draws a lot of inspiration from those games in it terms does. of um, level design, collecting. In this game, you collect five coins for every level instead of the the Kong letters that you did in the DKC games. Mm-hmm. But what makes this game so um, interesting kind of really sets itself apart from other 2D platformers like you know Rayman Legends or Super Mario World, uh, of course the DKC games, is that you have this semi-3D overworld that you can kind of traverse and that's kind of your hub to travel to the different um, mini-worlds mm-hmm. or levels, I should say. And this is honestly where I've been spending the bulk of my time because it's just so fun to find all of the hidden secrets laid out across the overworld. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just an absolute blast. The music is incredible. Um, I think Grant Kirkhope did some work on this game. Um, but yeah, just having a lot of fun. And it's really self-aware in some instances because there's one moment in the beginning of the game that... I would say the overworld is kind of similar to a, um, like if you played the Smash Ultimate um, campaign. Yeah, the or, something of light, yeah, journey what, of light. Or whatever it's called. Or if you played uh, like a traditional top-down Zelda game where mm-hmm. part of the map is kind of, um, you can't see it. It's clouded in smoke or something like that until you get the chance to explore that. Well, this game is no different, and it's blocked off by these gates. And so this Trouser the Snake guy... For the first time you, you come up to a, a gate, he gives you this long monologue about how, oh yeah, in order to, to pass this gate, you need to pay me X number of coins. World of Light, that's what it was. World of Light. It was going to bother me. He says you have to pay me a certain number of coins before you can pass this gate and get to the next area of the game. And he talks about, oh yeah, it's called a paywall. It's one of my <laughs> fanciest new inventions that's surely to make me billions of dollars. Yeah. And you just have this banter between you and the snake for like a minute. But it's just such a... I, just, I, I find that's, hilar- that's I, hilarious. I love that it was just a knock on the video game in- industry as it stands today because so many games are built with microtransactions and paywalls in mind and, and pay to win. And this is a game that was $30 at the outset, has no business being as good as it is, especially given the fact that the ukulele game to begin with, the first one, was funded on Kickstarter. Yeah. And and, and for me personally, I thought that was such a worthy successor to Banjo-Kazooie and such, um, it breathed such fresh and new life into the 3D platformer that coming into this generation, I would say, was very much a dying breed apart from Nintendo's flagship franchises like Mario and Kirby and Yoshi and things like that. Um, we haven't really seen wholly original, you know, buddy duo 3D platformers like we did with Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, Ratchet and Clank in the PS2 era, 
or um, you know, back in the PS1 and 64 days, there were 3D platformers out the wazoo. Like there was, it was like what first-person shooters are in today's overcrowded market. Yeah. And so, I just applaud the team that has created this game. I'm having so much fun going back into the levels, finding all the hidden areas, collecting all of the coins, and then even spread among the overworld. There's these things called tonics, and you collect and buy these tonics with quills. Quills, I would say, are kind of like your your coins, coins that you yeah. collect in Mario games, and they're your currency for buying and purchasing these tonics. And these basically enhance the gameplay in a number of different ways. One tonic in particular will have more checkpoints throughout the level so that if you die, of course, it just makes the game a little bit easier. Or if you want to make the game more challenging, you can um, have less checkpoints, which will then have an effect on the number of quill bonuses that you get at the end of the level. Yeah, so like more checkpoints lowers your payout. So say you got 100, it would take off 20 or 30 or whatever. Exactly. And then having less checkpoints would potentially double it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of the other tonics are purely cosmetic in terms of the level design. Mm -hmm. So there's some that have the that you can equip that has the Game Boy, like the original Game Boy with kind of the sepia green tone or tint to the screen, you can play levels with that tint. Yeah. Or you can play just current generation um, graphics, but you can have the Game Boy resolution so it looks super pixelated. There's just a lot of really unique things like that. You can play like a film noir where it's kind of black and white, or you can do um, like 4-3 aspect ratio. Just What's that? It just looks like you're playing on an old school CRT TV oh, okay. type of thing instead of an HD TV. So there's just so many unique things that they did. They did not just, um, this wasn't just some cash grab of a quick, hey, let's just make a quick buck, throw an easy two and a half or 2D platform out there. Fans of ukulele might pick it up. No, this is like, they really put their hearts and souls into this game and clearly are just such big fans of Rare in particular and their catalog of platformers over the years and really just platformers in general. And I just think that if you're a fan of the old school DKC games, do yourself a favor, pick it up. You can get it on the Switch. You can get it on the PS4. You might be able to get it on Xbox One, but who has an Xbox these days, Ryan? That's very true. So please, please, please just humor me. Check it out. Check out Ukulele. I know I'm kind of like... I talk about these games so you much. You're a spokesperson for Rare at this point. I know, but I really do just love these games so much. And um, Yeah, that's why I picked it up. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to play through. I played through a level, right? One of the harder levels. Mm -hmm. I was successful. I you got were. there eventually. Yeah. Yeah, except we had like less checkpoints on for my first few attempts. Yeah, that's true. Well, because I was trying to get... I was farming for quills, yeah. and um, that's why that happened. Something I will say about this game, too, I just... I talked about kind of at a high level. I want to get into more of like the end objective of this. So you actually play the final level first. Yes. Right at the outset, you just play the hardest level. You're fighting Capital B or Captain B. I think Captain B is the main villain in this game. You fight him. And after you hit him like four or five times, he's like, I don't have time for this. Flies away. And then you're introduced to one of the hardest platforming levels I've ever played in my entire life. How far have you gotten? 35%. I don't think I made any further than when you and so I like played. It's like 23%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was like 20. Yeah, it's like 23%. Mm. I'm a numbers guy. I take remember a, these Take things. a swig of that, <clears throat> that well, water. You got so much further because I think my first attempt, well, you got 13% and then I got 13%. Like, we died at the same place. And then you're like, oh, I'll do one more attempt. And then you got like 20. You 
got significantly more than doubled the amount of through the level. And you're like, God, that has to be at least 50%. Yeah. Like, it's going to suck if it's only like 20% and it was 23%. Yeah. Like, so the game's set up very similar to uh, DKC in that you can get hit twice. If you get hit once, Yuka or uh, Laylee, the little bat, will start flying away, but she'll kind of hover around for a little bit. And if you run up and grab her, then she'll come back to you. But if you wait like five or six seconds, then she'll fly away. You lose her for good until you either um, die and go back to the checkpoint, or these little there are these there are these little um, ukulele bells. bells hidden around. Yeah. And if you hit that, then Laylee will come back to you. Yeah. But it's a two-hit system. So if you get hit twice, then you go back to the nearest checkpoint. Now, what you're collecting at the end of every level in this game are these little bees. And once you collect these bees, then on the final level, that acts as an additional hit point that you can get um, before you die. And there are 48 of them scattered across all of the different levels. So realistically speaking, you can go into the final level with 48 health. Yeah. You can take 48 hits. But I'll say on my last checkpoint where I got 23% through... I think I had about 32 at that point, and I still only made it 23% I think, through. I think you had like 24. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. Still. And you get hit a lot. Yeah. So right now, I'm sitting at 46. I only need to get two more. There are 200 coins scattered across all levels. I have 180 of those. I don't remember how many tonics there are. So when you get five coins, do you get another B? No, the be- the coins are purely for the paywalls by um, Trouser oh, to the Snake. To open up new levels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I will say that it does require some backtracking to get coins in order to get to the next. So there are 48 levels. Not necessarily, because in the overworld, there are also like a few different bees hidden around. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's not always a one-for-one where the bees are hidden in the levels. Mm-hmm. There are some additional, as well as tonics, there are some tonics hidden around the overworld as well. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm excited to start playing it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hope other people, I hope it sells well, because I would be over the moon if we find out next year that they're doing another 3D platformer. Yeah. And it's funny because I was reading some of the reviews, and they were saying with how polished a game this is, the writing's on the wall that they're already going to get the go-ahead and the green light to do another game. Yeah, what are the reviews? You said like 80s? It's sitting on 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. Or not Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Medic. Wow. They skipped, they like went out of their genre or uh, out of the... The medium. Medium. Yeah, they created a blockbuster film. No, it's sitting at 83% on Metacritic. I think IGN gave it either an 8.4 or 8.7. They raved about it. So please, people, if you're a fan of platformers, particularly Donkey Kong Country type of games, check it out. Write in the show. I love to hear from you folks and hear what you, uh, how you feel about it. But it's really good times. Yeah, it is. But Ryan, I could talk about ukulele for days. Let's, uh, let's hear from you. What have you been playing this week? So here begins my 20-minute escapade on Pokemon. I'm going to take a nap. Just throw something at me when you're done. <laughs> no, I've been playing Pokemon per the usual. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just wonder trading while I was trying to like cope with m- Midsummer or Midsummer. Or I would have been doing the same thing. Yeah, so I did a bit of that, and I've been just getting my people... I got a shiny Ghastly before this, and I got a shiny uh, Nidoran, the the male one. Okay. Yeah, so I've been trying to complete or focus more on the first 150. The first box is kind of my main goal is to get all of those. Mm-hmm. So I only need like six more. So that's kind of Pokemon. Um, and then I've been playing lots of Monster Hunter. So last time... I think I was level, I just broke the level cap, 
and I got to level 42 or 43 was my mo- or master rank. Mm-hmm. So I'm now up to 60. Um, at level 70 or master rank 70, I unlock different monsters or different regions. So like the end game is the guiding lands. It's similar to an expedition, but basically you get end game gear and it's just you hunt monsters that walk around between all the different regions and biomes. So, like, all the biomes are connected, mm-hmm. and you kind of just go in between them. So, at level 70, you unlock a, a golden dragon, or a golden Rathalos, and a silver Rathian, just two, like, a gold and silver dragon. And then you also unlock a brute tiger X, which is, like, a, a tiger T-Rex thing, dragon. I don't know. Interesting. So, I ended up complete, or and they released a new monster. Starts with an R. Yeah, Rajang. So he basically looks like a giant gorilla with horns, and he basically goes Super Saiyan. So picture little Gohan or Goku as a kid, and then he turns into his ape form. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what he is, and then picture his fur turning yellow because he went Super Saiyan. Nice. So like he's electric, or he has like electricity attacks because he ate this uh, unicorn's horn, which is an electric unicorn. As you do. Yeah. And he basically, he jumps around the map and he Kamehameha waves out of his mouth. It's like electrical beams. He's brutal. So I ended up defeating him a couple times and I got his gear piece, his head. So I look awesome. I don't know if I showed you a picture and I can't. You did. I did. Yeah, the gold armor. Yeah, so I basically have this giant fluffy, it's called a golden headdress. And it has horns, and it has like a ninja mask over my mouth. Nice. So it looks awesome. And then I'm wearing, I got a Kirin, which is that unicorn, his chest piece. Um, and then I also got, um, it's Garuga legs, which are the main meta legs. Because they have critical eye, which is basically you get more affinity. Mm-hmm. Which is more, so 100% affinity is like 100% critical hit, is essentially what it is. Um, and then it has three decoration slots. So what a decoration slot is, is each armor set, depending... Like, there's an alpha and a beta. So why I was sending you two variants of the same, like, monster is because there's an alpha, which gives you more, like, traits on the armor. And then the beta version has more decorations. Oh, okay. So you can kind of plug in your own uh, perks. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just running all beta. So now I'm trying to get to level 70 so I can get the Brute Tiger-esque, or Brute Tiger-X chestplate. And you were saying that each each advancement from Monster Hunter, Monster, whatever level rank, 1 to 2, like each time you level up takes like about an hour of gameplay. Yeah, so it depends on like what you're fighting. So like in Master Rank, there's star ranks for each monster. So there's 1 through 6. And if you're fighting a, a six-star monster like an Elder Dragon, you can get most of the way, like with one Elder Dragon, maybe two-thirds mm-hmm. um, the way through a rank. So if you kill two dragons, you can get a level. Um, and then in the Guiding Lands, which is the end game, kind of just you're in an expedition and you kill things forever, you get more XP in there. Mm-hmm. So I have... To get to the insect glaive that I want, it's the Ruinous... Catastrophe, which is Nergigante's upgraded form, Ruiner's, Ruiner Nergigante. 
you have to be master rank 100. Mm. So I have 40 more levels to go. I think actually 99 is when I get the quest. So that sucks. Um, it's not necessarily 40 hours of gameplay that I have to go and like grind out gear. Mm-hmm. So I still have to upgrade all my gear. Like they, I can level it up to like level 5, but to break that uh, level 5 and to get up to like level 13... Um, I have to use some of these gems and things that you get from the Guiding Lands. So I still have a lot more grinding I could do, but I just want my weapon. Like, yeah. Nice. And if I'm ever going to complete, like, a Platinum Trophy on the base game, I have to go through high rank stuff, which doesn't raise my Master Rank. So I'm kind of just going to grind out Master Rank and then go back to finish it with my cool-looking weapon. Nice. This will be. I mean, this will be a perfect game for you to t- just tying you over for Pokemon Sword. Yeah, I'm. De- it's definitely like I was trying to map out. I wanted to get through levels uh, 65 today. I haven't played any. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a busy day. It has been a busy day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my game plan was to do level 100 in three weeks, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm not really sure for me. So I'm going to finish ukuleling the Impossible Layer. I'm going for the Platinum Trophy. I think I'm about 65% of the way through. The really nice thing about this game is that all of the trophies are centered around collecting the items. So if you just collect all of those little bees, that's probably 60% of the the trophy count, just that. The rest of them are around collecting the tonics, coins, beating the final boss, and then that's about it, really. Um, There's no, like, beat this level in three and a half seconds, you know, while you're blindfolded, your hands are tied behind the back, and someone smack you in the face. Like, some trophies are so unbelievably difficult to get that it's like, this is just punishing. Like, you just want to make sure no one can get the Platinum Trophy, and this game is just like, no, it's a a -a collect-a-thon. Collect everything, we're going to reward you. Yeah, like in Skyrim, one of the things was, like, get all 13 Daedric artifacts, and then, like, I think one of them was glitched. Oh, no. First, so you have to like look up a YouTube video to find a way, and like if you screw it up, you can screw up getting that trophy. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. But so what I was getting at is after Impossible Layer, it sounds like Lauren wants to kind of take control of the the HDTV out here and um, the PS4 mm-hmm. and get in the uh, Monster Hunter hype. Yeah. So it sounds like you're gonna kind of you know bring her along for that fun, <laughs> which means I'm probably not gonna see the PS4 for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna. Um, I have tons of stuff in my Steam library. You might, I might as well just yeah, rattle off what you have. Pull it up here. Some of the things that I'm considering playing. I was actually I was thinking about. It. I'm like, how do I play Monster Hunter with Lauren? Because I have master end game armor. Dude, I live with her, and it's already hard enough. Trust me, it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh no, I was like, how do I do that? Because I think I just have to make a new weapon and scale the weapon down. Mm-hmm. Because we killed for like low rank stuff in like less than a minute. Yeah, yeah. With our end game weapons, I think you Ben can one shot low rank stuff with his weapons. Really? Yeah. So like, I think I'm gonna have to. You could scale your weapon down. Just make a new insect glaive, and uh, just keep my cool armor on. Because the armor just means I will never die, mm-hmm. but I can still hit wimpily. Yeah. No, I think that's that'll be good for her because it's been a long time since I think I've talked about this before. A long time since I've seen Lauren really get lost in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Pokemon Let's Go, when we got her the Switch, uh, or I should say when I pre-ordered it for, 
she didn't even get, probably get to the fourth gym, I would say. Yeah. She didn't get super far in that. Uh, she played a little bit of Super Mario Odyssey. She's a big fan of Animal Crossing, so she's anxiously anticipating that next year. But um, I think Monster Hunter would be a really fun game for her to just get into that grind and that loop of gameplay. Yeah, because I think she'd, like, obviously in Japanese games, like, the girls are more scantily dressed. Yeah. In, like, Monster Hunter is no different. But I think she'll really enjoy, like, oh, let's see if we can get this outfit. Because, like, once you kill a thing and you have its body parts mm-hmm. to make an armor, you can see what the armor part piece look or the armor looks like on you. And then once she sees it, like, we should get this armor for me. I think she'll get really into that. Like, yeah. Try no. to make her person look cool. And I'm excited for that just to kind of as an, uh, a spectator, just outsider, when watching her play would be fun. Um, but as far as what I plan to play the next few months leading up to, of course, Pokemon and that's really the only game on the horizon that I, I foresee myself getting. tomorrow, it's a month away. Like, exactly a month. Because it comes out on the 14th. Oh, does it? I thought it was yeah. the 25th. 14th. Oh, you pre-ordered it, so you would definitely know. Yeah, because I was talking to the guy, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the 14th. He's like, pretty much everything releases on the 14th now. Interesting. Um, so a couple games in my Steam li- library of interest. Dust and Elysian Tale looks like, uh, this came out a long time ago. It looks like I purchased it on the 14th, or to, in, in 2014. What are you doing? I was just seeing if there's a light over here. You can keep talking. Uh, so Dust and Elysian Tale looks like a side-scrolling, I believe side-scrolling, super artsy, fartsy, colorful game that uh metroidvania i want to say i'm not entirely sure it's been a long time since i've seen gameplay of course i could always jump back into the world of oblivion or skyrim but i don't think i will the games that really have my eye are the gothic series so not too long ago um, i was able to buy gothic one two gold edition and three for like four bucks or something stupid like that and this is just a gargantuan third person medieval um rpg so think skyrim in third person if you will and Gothic 1 and 2, I think, were held in very high regard. Gothic 3 reviews, I think, were um, not as great as the prior two games. So Gothic 2 is probably one I'll consider. Yesterday, they had a Sega Dreamcast bundle. Because um, I had Sonic Adventure and Nights into Dreams on my wish list. And they were both $9.99. Well, yesterday, I got an email alert, which is the freaking worst. Once you create a GOG wishlist or a Steam wishlist, you constantly get emails when these games go on sale. Nights in the Dreams and Sonic, um, sorry, Sonic Adventure were a dollar twenty-five a piece. It's like that's that's less than my morning coffee at work. Yeah. Like how could I not do that? It'd be punished. You know, I, I just I couldn't pass those up. So it'd be criminal to, criminal to do so. So I bought seven I, copies each. I would definitely try to limit those emails. Oh, it's I, bad. Yeah. Why I shut off Google alerts on my phone. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I check my email very sparingly. Yes. And so I got the um. They had a Sega Dreamcast pack, so they threw in Sega Bass Fitch, Fishing, Sonic Adventure, Space Channel Five. Uh, what else did you get in this bundle? Nights in the Dreams, Crazy Taxi, and Jet Set Radio. For $300? <laughs> For $3.99. and like 99 yeah, cents. I was just like, are you kidding me? I, I had to do it. So, might get on the Dreamcast action on the PC. Could be fun. This is a game I'm actually really considering. Viking Battle for Asgard. This came out on the 360 PS3 way back in the day. It was a hidden gem, if you will. <laughs> just a beat-em-up brawler. You play as this... Um, this Viking just ripping limbs off of people, cutting people to pieces, 
just looks like an awesome beat 'em up game. Yeah, it kind of looks like the old Lord of the Rings games. Yeah, like the old EA games on the PS2. Yeah. Two Towers, Return of the King. Looks like good fun. The other open world medieval RPG I was considering was Risen. Uh, there's a long series of those games as well, but the first ones seem to be held in the highest of regards. So, Gothic 2 will probably get my attention, but we will see. Also could always hook up the N64 PS3 on the CRT TV and get some uh, classic action or classic gaming going. Yeah. Plus my PS1 and 2 backlogs are just stupid. Yeah, no kidding. So, no shortage of things to play while Lauren is playing Monster Hunter. Yeah, that's, like, you, you sound like you'll be bored. That's I mean, the long and short like of it. one or two games that you're looking at. Yeah, I have so much stuff. It's it's really pretty stupid. Um, someone pray for me. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you have God of War, Horizon that you still have to play. But those are PS4 games. Yeah, Lauren's not going to be on late at night when you usually play. That's true. That's true. She does go to bed at like 4 o'clock in the and afternoon. And it also, like, if we're playing it together, when I go to bed, she's probably, I don't know if she'll play. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, once she gets better stuff, she'll probably play with people online. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's most likely she goes to bed by 8, you have until whatever time you decide to go to bed. Yeah, with 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. You still have to play God of War. Like, that's a game <clears throat> that's essential to your life. Oh, 100% will, yeah. And Horizon. It's going to change everything I do. It will. Like, you'll see the world differently. Like, colors will mean things to you. You can hear colors. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> that was one of the back-of-the-box points. Yeah. You just spoiled my back-of-the-box trivia. That's why I was trying not to, like, put it on my list is because, I mean, hearing colors are... Feel, hear, and taste the colors around you. Of the rainbow. Yeah, so no shortage of things to play, Ryan. Uh course stay tuned for future games we've been playing recently segments yeah but we got some serious More pokemon to come oh gosh <laughs> we've got some serious questions ryan yes. if you want to write into the show otaku brothers podcast at gmail.com send us an email suggestion for a topic or record yourself for uh maybe not six and a half minutes that'd be very uh, appreciated thank you chrono you can, you know, send us anything, folks. Anything that makes the show better. You can also follow me on Instagram, Ari Lewis 2011. Post a little query out there uh, about 24 hours before you record the podcast. And typically just asking you folks to ask us something. And then I always, you know, include some little note in there to say, hey, share one of your favorite somethings. And this time I asked folks to share their favorite Harry, Harry Potter, Potter movie or book. And the listeners came in real strong, Ryan. So let me pull this up on my phone. All right. Let's try and go back to the very beginning here. Um, sorry, I have to go way, way back here. Here we go. Chronolink91, when I talked about the Harry Potter thing, he, of course, said, you opened a can of worms for me, three devil emojis. If you're not familiar with our Harry Potter episode uh, between platforms 9 and 10, I think is what I called that episode way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Chronolink 9-1 ripped us a freaking new one, spit us back out about our uh, our knowledge about the, the Harry Potter universe, if you will. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah, go back and listen to that one. That's a raging good time. Well, I guess it would have been the follow-up episode after that. He probably wrote in and talked about how you know he worships... Goblet of Fire movie every night before he goes to bed. and um, At least we have that in common. Yeah, all that random stuff. So he goes in and writes in a few things. Here. I'm kidding. He doesn't worship Goblet of Fire. That's th- that movie doesn't even exist. Anyway, uh, favorite book. I actually bought Galleons. Like you can buy metal versions of like the 
the currency yeah galleons sickles and nuggets or whatever it is how, well, how's that trending on the stock market these days you are uh, making money on this as much as bitcoin oh nice <laughs> <laughs> you could basically retire right yeah he says his favorite book is deathly hallows favorite movie is half-blood prince best made movie is prisoner of azkaban yeah. azkaban not banned um yeah, I would definitely agree in many respects there. My personal favorite is, prob- I would say best made certainly is Prisoner of Azkaban. Order of the Phoenix is arguably my favorite, but Half-Blood Prince is super dark and amazing as well. Favorite and least favorite Halloween candies is what he asks, Ryan. He says, I'm extremely partial to the mini Kit Kats. I'm a big fan of Kit Kats as well. Take five bars are the bomb. Take five is my are my jam. Um... I think Snickers are up there on my list. I mean, I named my dog after Snickers. You did. Um, what is it? Not Nutter Butter. It's those like Butterfingers. Li- Butterfingers. I've looked up that candy bar so many times on this podcast because I can never remember it. The yellow packaged ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the shittiest candy are probably those like nougat. Those like little yellow. It might be Easter candy. Oh. Like nougat bars. Is that a thing? Maybe. Let me see. You know what's the real worst, Ryan? Good and plenties. I remember going to a high school basketball game, and, you know, they have, like, little vendors there. You can they'll hook you up with some Swedish fish, maybe a pack of M&Ms or something. And I saw these, like, random multicolored pink, purple, and white candies called Good and Plenties. And I'm thinking, these kind of look like Mike and Ike's. Maybe they taste like Mike and Ike's. Good and plenty. So I pop a few of these bad boys in my mouth only to spit them back out seconds later because they taste like black licorice. Ooh. Which is basically... That are candy corn? Like the colorful candy corn? I can eat few of those, but too many and like they're taking me to the hospital to, you know, pump the sugar out of my stomach. Yeah, I I don't like those. Like any candy that kind of is that texture... I mean, that's such a high concentration. You're basically eating sugar. Yeah, you really are. Not a big fan of candy corn. Good and plenty are like the spawn of Satan. And I'm, I'm also just a very big gummy person. So your Sour Patch Kids, Swedish Fish, uh, Mike and Ike, Skittles, just yeah. gummies in general. I take gummy vitamins every day because <laughs> I'm an adult. No, I love the. It's harder and harder to eat um, gummies, though. Because I feel like I'm slowly or quickly dying with that much sugar. Because yeah. I'm not used to eating a ton of sugar, but eating like a, a Sour Patch Kid, you're ingesting like more sugar than I ingest in like a month. Yeah, it's true. Travis, senior executive producer of the show, he writes in and says, Potter, half-blood prints for both, all day, every day. He goes on, how much sawdust could you get the Rice Krispie treats before people notice? Oh, wait, what is it? Okay, so what, how much did he say? How much sawdust could you get into Rice Krispie Treats, Ryan, before people notice? It depends what audience you're catering to, uh, Travis. I mean, if you're serving, um, what did you dress up as? Uh, when? In the back of the woods with, uh, if you're if you're catering to lumberjacks. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I answer this safely. <laughs> like, so I'm going to wait and hear the full question. What did you dress up as, Ryan? That In one the time? woods. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to move your mic thing okay. here so you're talking into it, actually. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How much sawdust? Well, it depends on the volume of Rice Krispies that you're making, first off. Yes. Because I could say a cup, and if I'm making, like, 
40 gallons of you measuring gallons sure 40 gallons of uh, rice krispies and it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. but if i'm making a tray of krispies i mean you have like a full bag of um marshmallows mm-hmm. you could uh, i mean rice the crispy cereal are basically sawdust yeah throw a couple of pinches in there no one's gonna notice yeah probably like a half a cup to a cup probably a gallon travis say. probably a gallon yeah on an average the one day, to one ratio. <laughs> <laughs> on an average day, how many pigeons could you reasonably be carry? <laughs> what the fuck? On average day, how many pigeons could you reasonably carry, Ryan? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, maybe eight per arm. Okay, and then like two or three on my head. Probably like twenty. I'm gonna go seven. Seven, that's all you carry? Yeah, dude. They could sit anywhere. Just freaking T-pose it and L- have them perch on you. Listen, I'm not trying to audition for the, the role in Home Alone 7 of the yeah, Crazy Pigeon Lady. Yeah, you're trying to win the most pigeons held <laughs> award. We're making a contest on this? Well, then how many can you hold? That was a question. We said it on an average day. Is it a good day at work or a bad day? Yeah, I guess I'm not always like hands up T-posing at yeah. work. Yeah. Eh. Seven's that's respectable then. Okay. Yeah. Maybe seven and a half. Ryan, you're a pizza like topping. A three le- like <laughs> a leg. <laughs> you're a pizza topping, Ryan. Which one are you? Mm, sausage. Yeah. Because I am the clever sausage, according to my uh, creepy English teacher from the seventh grade. Ew. What? Yeah. So like, he was the drama teacher. So all the stereotypes that go along with that. We're very much true. And he was my English teacher, and he's like, hey, Ron, like, I answered a question. He's like, hey, Ron, you're a, you're a clever sausage. He's a weird guy. So, like, my friend's parents always made fun of me for being a clever sausage. Gosh, I feel like I can make so many sexual I, jokes I feel like right that's, now. like, a, a pedophile kind of joke. Yeah, did he ever go to jail? I don't think so. I don't know if he was the one who was, like, got in trouble for, like, looking up girl skirts. Ew. What was his name? Mr. Cherubino. Yeah, he sounds like a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a long last name. Pedo. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, which pizza topping am I? Um, pepperoni. Run of the mill. Everyone knows who I am. I just like to stay under the radar. But um, I'd be cheese because I'm nothing. <laughs> <laughs> How does nothing and cheese? Because it's the like lame, like neutral, like zero white toppings. bread. Yeah. Yeah. There's no topping, so you're nothing. Raising self-esteem. All right, here. we're gonna revisit this in our next counseling session. Yeah, I call me nothing. He so says, um, "What is that's a cute picture of Scooby on my phone? Uh, favorite classic board game, Ryan? Hmm. Well, I went back and tried Candyland, and it sucks. It's horrible. Like it doesn't even make any sense. You're literally just picking up like colors and moving forward. Yeah, and it's such a fast game. Like you finish it in like ten minutes if you're trying to play." Yeah, but you know what's awesome? There was a um, Candyland computer game that I used to have growing up. And you went to each of the different people's, like, little places. Yeah. So you had the little, can- like, uh, the gumdrop person. Yeah. And you played this, like, matching mini game with That's this gumdrop cool. person. And then you went to the Winter Wonderland lady, and she just gave you a blank canvas that you just used all these different color palettes to just paint or color in all the different boxes. So it was like a virtual coloring book. That's cool. There was just a bunch of fun little mini games, and then at the very end of the game, because the premise is this this um, 
this villain steals all of the candy from this old man's candy shop. And so you and your little like friend get on this little sled and make your way to all the different locations from the board game. Okay. And then once you go to the the villain's lair and you know stab him in the face with like a knife or something like that. Oh, cool! This Real is a kid kids friendly. game. It's ready to eat for everyone. You go back to the man's shop with all of the candy, mm-hmm. kind of like the Grinch when he brought all the toys back to the town and just throwing them at people. Mm-hmm. Well, you get to select all the different candy that goes in the shop. Oh. So you have like this giant catalog inventory of candy, and then you just like you have like thirty seconds to a minute or something like that. I don't know. I haven't played this game in, like twenty years, and you just clicking like a mad person like you and your little clicker games clicking all these different <laughs> little candies and then it like floods into the shop and he starts like doing backflips and stuff it's my favorite game of all time <laughs> <laughs> wow all right Candyland on the computer well, there was this computer game where it had all the like classic board games and you could play like battleship checkers shoots and ladders chinese checkers mm-hmm. like you could play all of them and you got little trophies for being the best oh nice yeah I really like Battleship. Battleship's really good. That was a fun one. Checkers. You can't go wrong with checkers. I like uh, Life. Life? Um, You have one of those? That's what it's called, right? Just the game of life? Yeah, Life. Yeah. I don't remember how that was played. Well, at the beginning of the game, you uh, either choose to go to college or you don't. Yeah. And that affects the different professions that you can get. And then you eventually buy a house and you get to select. You basically randomly draw from this deck. Okay. Three different houses, and from those three houses, you select your house, and then you r- randomly um, land on different spots in the game. You end up having like three cartloads of kids. Interesting. You get married. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Guess who? That's another fun one. Oh, it was good. But you could always ask like one question, and, and it eliminates half. Everything would just go down. Glasses, male or female. Or facial hair, I think. Facial hair is a big one. Um, one of my favorites is always Philip. I think it's Philip. Yeah. The big ed- egghead guy. Yeah. That was a fun game. That was also took like five minutes per mm-hmm. round. Yeah, it was a very quick game. Yeah. Are we good on classic board games? I'm trying to think what other games. I never got into chess. It kind of stressed me out. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Battleship. Okay. That was always fun. I'm sticking with life. Well, because in the computerized game, like, you actually shot missiles and, like, it animated all of it. So it made it look really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Better Stratego. That was a fun one. Stratego was good times, yeah. I liked Risk if you wanted to. Well, it was funny. So back in the day, my buddies and I, we played Risk. And this is my same friends that, you know, we played Rock Band tirelessly. Is this the one you chucked the controller at? Yeah, Nick. It was at his place. So one summer we played Risk and it went on for like four or five days to the point where we were all like, you know what? We got to shelve this. We can't keep playing. This is just stressing us the hell out. We actually hand wrote a contract, a negotiation among one another that we all had to like hand sign, basically confirming that like, I don't even remember how we negotiated it, but it was like how countries would negotiate at the end of the yeah. war, um, like some kind of peace treaty. Uh, what did the peace treaty say? That like we can all keep our territories? Or basically, something? yeah. That we were going to no longer, you know... Um, Be a war. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was ridiculous, but that game's crazy. Like it could seriously go on for weeks. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Favorite contemporary or complicated board game? He played Zombicide last week and it's awesome. I have not played a contemporary board game recently. 
You got me the uh, Bloodborne one. Yeah, the Bloodborne board game we never played. looks interesting. I've, I wish I was more into board games um, than I am. Or I guess just played them more often. It's not that I'm not into them. Would card games be considered board games? Or does it require a board? Well, I think card games, there's there's various types of card games. So, like, so yeah, I think that works. Yeah, well, the one with picture. What well, do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. I want to take my hat off because it's like strangling my head. Yeah, I was surprised you were wearing a hat. Your hair. Now my hair is just really place. matted. Um, there, so with my work, we went to this place that literally just has walls and walls of board games. And how they set it up is, depending on the, the number of people that you bring, we had a party of like, I don't know, 15 people. So they had five people stationed at three different games. Dude, what is wrong with you? Well, I'm producing too much melatonin. Okay, well. <laughs> I can feel it. Like synthesizing. Praise the sun, Ryan. <laughs> So anyways, we went to this place be. called Kingsmakers, which is just wall-to-wall with different board games, and they set up three different stations that you kind of circle. You play each game for like 30 minutes, Yeah. and one of them, I think, was called Concept. I've never heard of that. And I wish I could describe it and articulate well how you play the game, but I can't, so Google Concept. It's awesome. Concept. We'll just pull up the description, because I don't want to butcher the description of this game, and people are just like, see, that's just... Sounds stupid. Board game. So you got little game pieces. All right. We're just going to go to the Amazon description here and describe the board game. Discover a new means of communication and concept. An easy to learn but frequently challenging board game. Using the game board covered in icons, players attempt to silently convey concepts such as Dinosaur, Eiffel Tower, or Sigmund Freud. Points go to the player who guesses the concept correctly, but in this flexible and fast-paced party game, the points are less important than enjoying the art of communication. You don't need to talk to communicate. Use your creativity and imagination to solve the riddles from the visual clues. The three difficulties will allow everyone to have fun playing. That looks like a lot of fun. It's awesome. So it's this giant board full of different random pictures. And so as it was saying, you might have Eiffel Tower, and so you have to point to these various different pictures almost emojis if you will to try and communicate hey my card said eiffel tower you have to guess it okay so they give you a card which is the concept and then you put you have to describe it interesting by pointing to these various pictures that looks like a lot of fun yeah it's actually on my amazon wish list it has been ever since that day just because it was such a blast and it's only 30 bucks i mean i guess it's relatively expensive but um it's really good fun so check out concept if you haven't really Really good times. We also got more questions, Ryan. Yeah. Andy, friend from work, he says, ever read The Stand by Stephen King? I haven't, Andy, and I'm pretty sure this book is like 1,300 pages or something stupid like that. I'm a big fan of Stephen King. I've read a number of his books with Salem's Lot being my favorite. Actually, when I was sent to that um, facility in Wisconsin back in my junior year of high school... um, We'd occasionally get to go on outings, and one of each each person um, could pick a different place every time. And I always picked half price books because I would get new CDs and I would get books, and I would particularly look for Stephen King novels. And so while I was there, I think I read Carrie, Misery, Salem's Lot, um, something about the book of Tom Gordon or something. That one wasn't very good. Um, 
The Shining. I read a ton of them. Yeah. But Salem's Lot in particular is my favorite. Haven't seen the movie adaptation, but I've heard pretty decent things. But have the stand. You heard of the stand? I have. Yeah. What's I think, it about? No idea. Cool. Do we want to read the synopsis for this too? Sure. Why not? Looks like people fighting with scythes. The Stand is a post-apocalyptic horror fantasy novel by American author Stephen King. It expands upon the scenario of his earlier short story, Night Surf, and presents a detailed vision of a total breakdown of a society after the accidental release of a strain of influenza that has been modified for biological warfare, causes an apocalyptic, apocalyptic pandemic, killing off over 90% of the world's population. God, that sounds amazing. It really does. It's just 800... I love biological weapons and, like, post-apocalyptic death. It's 823 pages of fun, right? I don't like 823 pages of fun. <laughs> so, if you're feeling... Uh, if there's a movie, I'll watch Yeah, it. <laughs> There might well, be. Well, like, there's, um, was it, there's a movie series called... I think it was just, like, a couple... It's a movie or a TV series that's, like, a few episodes. It was called Andromeda. The Andromeda Strain. Yeah. you. I think Lauren has that one. She does. I have not watched it, though. It's it's the same kind of concept. It's pretty good. Yeah. Good stuff. Mason writes in, and he says, Prisoner of Azkaban, because, I mean, serious. Need I say any more? You don't. Sirius Black is one of my favorite characters in all of Harry Potter. Abby, not a friend of the show, I don't believe. I don't think she listens, but that's okay. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> She won't even hear it. She says, unpopular opinion, but I love four as a movie and five for the book. See, I think I'd be flip-flopped. I think the the fourth book is fantastic and the fifth movie is amazing. The fifth book's good too. And then Adam, recently departed co-worker. Um, sad to see him leave. Really good guy. He says, who is Harry Potter? <laughs> so, good stuff there. Well, he says his name like a million times in all the movies. He does. Yeah, he's like, hey. Oh, no. He always, he's bitching about his dead parents. Like, he goes on and on. Like, you could probably count number of times. That or, like, Batman. He rants about his dead parents so often. Like, I'm an orphan. (laughs) (laughs) What? What are you talking about? Number of times Harry Potter. I'm going on, dude. Okay. Top five Adam Sandler's movie. Adam Sandler movies. This comes from Phillips Petting Zoo. A friend of mine made a Instagram account for their cats. So, yeah. Top five Adam Sandler movies. All right, I'm going right off the top of my head. I didn't do any research before this. Um, Big Daddy's up there. Click. The Longest Yard. Eight Crazy Nights. And... Ryan, I need some other Adam Sandler movie ideas. Just go with it. Murder Mystery, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore probably is my favorite. 51st Dates. Oh, no. 51st Dates. That was one of the first movies I watched with Lauren. Blended. All right. We don't need the whole Waterboy. Filmography. Wedding Singer. Haven't seen it. Zohan. (laughs) All right. So I'm going with Big Daddy, Click, The Longest Yard, Eight Crazy Nights, 51st Dates, The Five Best adam sandler movies anger management that's probably my favorite one that's a good one jack nicholson one of the yeah. one of the best gifts of all time <laughs> wildebeest <laughs> um or where they like stop on the bridge and sing i feel pretty mm-hmm. that's a good scene 
And she moaned like a wildebeest. <laughs> wildebeest. <laughs> Frantic Josh of the Frantic Thoughts podcast, a solo man podcast that all of you fine folks should be listening to. He writes in and says, if you could make a video game movie with an unlimited budget, what would it be? Who would star in it? Gotta be The Last of Us for me. Yeah. I think Skyrim would be awesome. Just an epic fantasy movie, like with yeah. the, with the special effects of like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that would be awesome. A Dragonborn. Um, God of War would. I, basically, that is a movie already. Just from like the new one, it basically is a movie in and of itself. Just the experience playing it. Yeah, because I mean the cutscenes are woven in so well, and like the gameplay feels like you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncharted. I would say Uncharted, but now Tom Holland's gonna play Nathan Drake, which I think is awesome. Yeah. He doesn't really look like him. I feel like... Nathan Fillion would have been the best role, or yeah. best person for the role. Because Nathan Drake is kind of, like, older. I feel like Tom Holland is pretty short. Again, I think it's very much like they're trying to get this young actor to sign on board now so they can pump, like, five or six of these movies out over the course yeah, of the next... Yeah, would be really cool. It's basically years. like a Tomb Raider. Yeah. Except good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Horizon would be awesome. That would be amazing. Just robotic dinosaurs... And Basically like, Jurassic Park, but robotic dinosaurs. Yeah, and post-apocalyptic. And, like, all the, like, clothing that they can make for that, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Come on, Disney. <laughs> just imagine, it's just like, you're watching, what, a chameleon and a bat mm-hmm. jump on platforms <laughs> for, like, an hour and a half. Dude, I'd be in line for that shit. Um, just no dialogue. Hmm, what else would be good? I feel like the new Assassin's Creed would be cool. Like the Spartan one. Well, Michael Fassbender already horribly attempted that. Did you ever see that? I didn't. I didn't hear really great things, though. Yeah, that's sad. You know what's interesting is that Michael Fassbender was assassin in Assassin's Creed, and his girlfriend, wife, I don't know what they are, Alicia whatever, Why? was uh, the Tomb Raider. And Ex Machina. She was the robot. I never saw that. You need to, because that's a trippy, like, it's really good. All right. It's won awards, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he also asked a follow-up question about who would star in it. Honestly, I don't think Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker do television or movie acting, but the performances that they deliver are so fantastic. Although I think a, a great Joel would be Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, who's of course the father in Supernatural and Negan in yeah. Walking Dead. He just has that rough look to him with his beard and kind of that really deep voice. I think he could replicate Joel's performance pretty well. Yeah, I think so. Too. Um, and I think Ellen Page, she looks so much like young Ellie, it just would make sense for her to play Ellie, I think. Yeah. And she kind of sounds like her too. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Next summer, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Ellen Page starring in The Last of Us, hitting the silver screen on June 30th. Frantic Josh goes on. (laughs) (laughs) Is that even still the opening? Do they even do openings to movies anymore? No, it's just go right to the film, Ryan. (laughs) Well, I mean, what was it, Joker? They had like 47 commercials. Previous. From previous. Yeah. Commercial previews. Frantic Josh, he goes on and says, My favorite Harry Potter movie is Prisoner of Azkaban. It's well shot and has a different feel. I'd agree. Yeah, it's the first real dark one. It really like is. The first two, they're super young, and then 
I think the darkest is like head faces in the first thing, or like drinking unicorn blood. Not super dark. No. And the second one, I guess they did manipulate a girl to like suck out her soul to make Voldemort out of a book, which could be considered dark. Just a tad. <laughs> yeah, or like <laughs> freaking pipe snakes and spiders. Yeah. But like the next one is like, hey, if you get kissed, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Like you lose your soul. That's right. He goes on and says, my favorite Harry Potter book is The Deathly Hallows because of how epic it is and how it wraps the story up. I agree entirely. I wish I could go back to the summer of, I want to say 2007, that's probably wrong, when Deathly Hallows was released. The anticipation of that book, reading um, Half-Blood Prince the month before getting Deathly Hallows, at least I did personally, and then just grabbing that and trying to rush through it as fast as you can, I would equate my experience reading that like watching something like stranger things and trying to binge it as quickly as possible because you know people are going to flood social media with their impressions and just how um what's the word i'm looking for um uh ryan no idea where you're going with this. well the way um i'm thinking of jk rowling and the risks the risks that she took with the characters and how she really pulled no punches and and number of characters that ended up dying yeah in the in the book um even hedwig died in like the first freaking chapter you know spoiler alert so yeah that was just such an epic summer reading that book uh, and then discussing it with my friends at like the lunch table at school was just such a such an awesome experience and i've yet to have something like that Certainly with a book, but even maybe a game. I don't know that sense of anticipation that I've had. Even Kingdom Hearts 3 and things like that. I I didn't get as excited or I wasn't, you know, looking forward to talking to people about it as I was that book. Yeah, actually, I was listening to NPR and one of the original, like, hard copies of the Sorcerer's Stone from England just sold for like fifty thousand dollars really from like i think 1994 or wherever like one of the original hard copies interesting for like fifty thousand huh that's that's insane yeah i don't have fifty thousand laying around to pick up a book like i that. don't have a hard copy of the original philosopher's stone well next week on the podcast not only will we'll be I... fifty thousand dollars richer that's right the royalty so production value will be up way up don't even worry about it, folks. This is going to be one of the greatest, most production-heavy podcasts you'll ever listen to. Yeah, we're playing a Joe Rogan sound system and like <laughs> room and staff. <laughs> It'll be awesome. That's all the Instagram questions, Ryan. We also have a question from Chronolink91. He wrote yes. into the Gmail. He actually submitted an audio question of sorts. I don't know. We're going to find out. Ryan's already listened to it. I have not. One thing I want to quickly kind of um, address with the podcast. So... Earlier on when Ryan and I kind of conceptualized this podcast and thought about what we wanted to do, we of course wanted to talk about the games that we've been playing recently and then kind of shift into some type of topic, whether it was our top games related to a particular genre, our childhood and whatnot, or talk about something like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, just some of the things that we're passionate about in pop culture and, you know, nerddom. Um, but it's gotten to a point, and I'm very thankful because I always wanted to have a follow, uh, a dedicated listener base and, and following with the podcast where people would write in with questions. Well, we get a lot of questions now, and yeah. so I think um, you know we're almost we're at the hour and a half mark, and Ryan and I wanted to do more hypotheticals, back of the box trivia, and things like that. But we're running into um, after we talk about you know the games we've been playing recent recently and doing questions. Then it's like we're already at two hours. We don't have the energy to continue and dedicate the time to the topic. Yeah, and like one of the polls that we put out 
maybe like 20 episodes ago was what's a good amount of time mm -hmm. or like what's <clears throat> the length of podcasts that people like listening to and it was like around two hours three hours was getting long for people mm -hmm. um so we're trying to keep it to two hours and with all the beginning questions and games and like whatever we watch or whatever i mean that one after i went on the business trip it was like three hours and we didn't even get to the main topic yeah until like two hours in yeah, so I think what we're going to start doing is if if a week like this where I get like 19 of these Instagram questions, we're just going to start backlogging them. I'm going to pull up a file and just start, you know, typing these these guys out so that um, on the weeks that we don't have a lot of questions or just in general, we can just dedicate an episode to kind of listener feedback, listener questions. Um, that way we can still um, sprinkle in some topics um, and episodes because I think, I think listeners do appreciate those as well. Yeah. So I think it'd be good maybe five questions a week and mm -hmm. then everything excess I, I have a lot of fun questions are fun for us yeah we love it especially uh these kind of like one-off things like okay so you've the the biggest budget you can possibly have what video game are you going to have a movie movie adaptation for yeah you know that's fun just off the cuff to to, to answer something like that and it often derails into some rabbit hole of a discussion 20 minutes later we're talking about who the the worst uh, dictator is, is it Stalin or Hitler? You know, how we get to that conversation is beyond us, but that's, that's the uh, Talk About This podcast for you. He's a jerk. But all of that to say, first of all, let us know what you how you feel about that kind of direction for the show. Drop in, pop into the Discord. It's been getting really hot and heavy in there. Lots of discussion among the listeners. Link in the show notes below. We'd love for more people to get in on the Discord discussion. We got a long voice recording from chronolink9 he writes in the subject header is sorry not sorry and then in parentheses in the message he says okay kind of sorry hope you've got some time so this is six and a half minutes of chronolink91 i'm sorry in advance if you don't like his voice all right hey rusty and ryan i'm i'm gonna pull i'm gonna be pulling what's you know probably gonna be known as a as a first on the on the Otaku Brothers podcast, I am calling out your executive producer, Travis. Senior executive. I mean, I just, I have some words. I have some thoughts, <laughs> many thoughts to say about some of his harsh comments. Oh, boy. About Link's Awakening on the Switch. Um, okay, look, I, I get it. Um, not every game is going to be for everybody, and not every remake is going to be everybody's cup of tea. Um, I totally get that. Uh, in fact, the, um, the Wind Waker HD... Uh, is I've heard probably the most criticism about that in the Majora's Mask remake on the 3DS. Um, the Wind Waker one because of the weird graphical uh, lighting changes they made to the game to sort of update the look. Uh, Majora's Mask for different design reasons. Um, yeah, different art. New slightly different art take uh, on some of the updated uh, graphics as well as... Um, just some of the extra stuff or the stuff they added or, or took away in some of the gameplay mechanics. But anyway, Link's Awakening is very dissimilar to those games in the sense that they're not just taking a, a game, kind of sprucing up the graphics and re-releasing it, unlike those other games. Obviously, there's more to it than that. Um, uh, but those to me, are far more, quote-unquote, cash grabs. I don't think they're cash grabs, by the way. But those are far more more as cash grabs than Link's Awakening 
was on the Switch. Uh, I mean, talk about a, a, a completely new art style, um, having to remake an entire that entire little little world on a Game Boy. Sure, that's not that's not going to be as difficult as as doing a, a a full new game. Totally get that. Makes sense. But if you if you had gotten the Dreamer edition, you would have seen in the art book the painstaking amounts of work they went through to the different uh, the different sort of alternate designs that they did. Um, you know, sort of charting their way to the design that they finally got to. Um, all the just tons of work that went into this game. Um, I, I just you know I, <laughs> it just does a disservice to to just say that it's a cash grab and that Nintendo's just after your money. Yeah, okay, they're a company. They're gonna be preying on your nostalgia to make money. That's what a lot of developers are doing. That's why, um, you know, that's why that Ghostbusters remake game just came out. That's why the Jedi Outcast just came out um, on the Switch. And I think they came out on the PS4 as well. Uh, you know, these companies, obviously, they want your money. Obviously, they're going to be, quote-unquote, pulling cash grabs. But at the same time... <sighs> Think about it this way. They're introducing this game to a completely different audience, a completely new audience. Uh, the only way that you were able to get this like super readily would be to buy it on the 3DS eShop, which, I mean, you could argue with me all you want on that, but I don't think that's... It, it's a masterpiece. Link's Awakening is a masterpiece of a game. That, that'd be wonderful if tons of people bought it on there, but it's... It's a Game Boy game. Not tons of people are going out of their way on their 3DS to be like, man, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna download all these Game Boy games. Um, so the fact that they spruced it up, they gave it this gorgeous little toy-like diorama style, gave it a, a just a brilliant soundtrack uh, overhaul. I mean, using the, using small ensembles, using like the instrument choices, they 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 used, I mean, I, uh, tears in my eyes every time that they, that they, uh, that Mabe Village music, like, sort of kicked in, and, and you know what, in the, in the, the big part about it is that I'm just, I, I'm sad that he didn't get that reaction, if he has a strong, um, strong feelings about Link's Awakening, um, I'm just, it's, it's just too bad to me, you know, that he, that he didn't, wasn't able to get that feeling again, because I, 100% did. The game completely rekindled my love for this game. And, um, wow, I, <laughs> so, I mean, if he wants to duke it out, you know, out in the, out in the back, then, <laughs> hey, I'm all, I'm all game. I'm defending that. I, I stand for Link's Awakening on Switch, you know, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, no, I just, I, I think, I think it's an interesting conversation to have, though. Um, what, I, I guess, what do you guys sort of think about the, 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 pros and cons of remaking games i mean game remakes there's there's been so many of them over over this past generation there's a lot of them are re-releases even on switch those see those to me the re-releases are far more cash grabby than a brand new game like mario kart 8 deluxe was literally just let's just re-release probably like the only the best-selling game on the wii u on the switch now that it has to give it some more legs and then it became, like, one of the best-selling games on the Switch. <laughs> you know, so, like, that, to me, is way more of a cash grab than, than, than this thing is. I'm almost gone for six minutes again. 
just talk about a little bit about the the whole remake versus re-release versus coming up with a brand new game. I mean, hey, games. Some games just aren't for aren't for everybody. I totally get that. No, no, honestly, not really any hard feelings. I just wanted to kind of make it make this a fun little thing where I'm calling them out. But uh, you know, give it a sh- give it another shot. I I. I t- Untitled Goose Game is great too, but give Link's Awakening another shot. It, it honestly, it's it's still just as good of a game as it was when you played it in the in the nineties. So, all right, I'm out. Sorry for taking up six and a half minutes of your podcast. You're forgiven, Crown and Link Nine One. We appreciate the audio question. I'm sure Travis was very appreciative of the the call out, and uh, I'm sure he's actually polishing his sword and shield now, and he's ready to meet you on the battlefield. No, it's a good question and certainly a great conversation starter as it relates to remasters, remakes, re whatever. Um, I think there's definitely a stark contrast between the two terms here. So we have remake, which is what I would consider Link's Awakening to be, and a remaster or re-release, which would be Last of Us remastered um, that was released on the PS4 um, versus the PS3 version of the game. I would say that is a remaster re-release, right? And that's great because people that are buying in on these new consoles can play an outstanding game that has a little fresh coat of paint on it, looks a little better than the original release versus a remaster where I I think I would say I'm really in Chrono Link 9-1's camp here because you have games like the Spyro Trilogy, the original Insomniac games, the Crash Bandicoot Trilogy by Naughty Dog. I mean, that was really what set this this developer on the map that were on the PlayStation 1. There was no great way to play these games other than downloading the PSN original versions on your PS3 or your Vita. And they create recreated these games to look like they were released for today for current generation consoles for an entire new generation of of young folks and even new folks like myself but these young folks that get to play games like Spyro and Crash Bandicoot for the first time and fall in love with the games that in many cases maybe were what their parents first played and fell in love with this amazing hobby and so i think in those instances when you know 20 plus 15 plus years have gone by and you're reintroducing this game to new audiences i think it's fantastic when you take a game like resident evil 4 that was released on the gamecube and throw it on the res uh, on the playstation 4 for me i buy it because it's, it's purely convenience i don't have to hook up the GameCube on my CRT TV, or buy this $150 um, device to be able to hook, you know, AV cables to HDMI to my HDTV. You know, to have Resident Evil 4 on the PlayStation 4, it's purely convenience. It's it's cash grabby, if you will. Resident Evil 4 is on every console known to man at this point. But I think getting back to um, prying on nostalgia, these companies that are remaking games like Spyro and Crash Bandicoot and even Link's Awakening, I think it's outstanding to introduce such a classic to a new generation of folks. Yeah. I mean, there's always the option if you don't want to buy it, you don't have to. You can just play it on your old systems. But I think introducing people to the classics and what video games used to be, like that level of quality and polish mm-hmm. with spiced-up graphics. Because, I mean, Spyro looks amazing. Yeah. It's a beautiful game. Um, and then 
Last of Us, I don't know how much they changed. I don't know how resed up it was. It but- looks better, but the the other big thing that came along with it was the DLC, Left mm-hmm. uh, Left Behind, was like, included on the disc. Halo, they did a re-release of all the first two, mm-hmm. and those were resed up to like Halo 3 graphics, and they look amazing. And the really cool thing about, you know, back on the 360, you think, I don't need the original Halo Combat Evolved remastered. It looks just as good... Um, you know, now as it did back then. But then when they introduced the feature on the 360 version where you could click like the trigger toggle. button yeah. to toggle between the original and the new graphics, it was night and day. It was like playing the Ocarina of Time on the N64 and then playing it on the 3DS. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how far we've come graphically. It's yeah. unbelievable. And seeing uh, the sergeant, that black guy, mm-hmm. in Halo 2, oh, he looks awesome. <laughs> When you're about to fight the, I think it's a scarab, mm-hmm. that big like walking thing with the face cannon. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're flying and he goes down and him with his awesome voice. Yeah. The cutscenes look amazing. Yeah. So I think, again, it's... I miss Halo. Me too. I've really been wanting to get back into the games, like that series. Like just hooking up my 360 on this TV and having a Halo night. That would be awesome. We it, Go through on uh, Legendary. Oh, yeah. We should do that really soon. Yeah. What's... We can't Friday because we're going to that concert, and you have that outing with your group. Yeah, your but you're people. going to maybe um maybe Saturday night. Yeah, I can do that. That'd be really fun. Yeah, I miss Halo. You want to do Halo Three? Yeah, let's pencil that in. Okay, that'd be good times. Uh, do you want to send? I'll send you an Outlook. Okay, let's do it. Let's get it going. Put it on the map. Put it on the calendar. <laughs> um, we're at that point in our lives where it's like. Dude, you want to record and then we can go to the gym and then we can get something in our Outlook calendar so, yeah. so we can remember. Yeah. No, but to get back to, to his question and kind of this debate here, uh, it, it's very, I would say, it has to be specific. Like uh, Final Fantasy VII, people have been clamoring for a remake of that game for years because if you go back and play it now, it's like a bunch of clay models. I mean, it's still a fantastic RPG. The stories. Uh, the story, the characters are still iconic, and the music's phenomenal. But it's just, uh, you know, a 16-year-old kid probably isn't rushing to their nearest mom-and-pop shop trying to get a copy of Final Fantasy VII. Now, there is that dedicated audience, I understand that, that love retro video games, but I would say the average kid that's, you know, knees-deep in Fortnite is not going to put the controller down for Final Fantasy VII. No. But if they see this flashy really quick-paced, you know, action RPG that's labeled Final Fantasy VII on their PS4, they might be like, hey, let's put down the microtransaction fest of Fortnite and let's check out this Final Fantasy VII game. Same thing with the Spyro Reignited trilogy. Same thing with the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. I think it makes a lot of sense for these games that were deemed classics back in the 90s and are being remade for a new generation today. Yeah, I mean, like, they've re-released the original Marios a million times. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'm not going to hook up a super nintendo i love having it at my fingertips on like a switch or on a 3ds mm-hmm. like i'll definitely pay for a rezzed up mario game yep yeah yeah no i think it's a it's a good discussion to have and uh thanks chronolink 91 for writing in man what games would you like to see re-released like some of the early ps like uh ps3 or stuff dude your feet yeah sorry um, um what's the the alien game we played that i really like that you said we, oh, Perfect Arc. No. 
Oh, well, know. my answer would be Perfect Dark. Let's let's see Perfect What's Dark. What's the, um, shit. What, what console? Um, it was PS3. We played through Resistance. It, the Resistance trilogy. Yeah. If they, re, like, re-res that to current day... I think Insomniac, all my money. Insomniac's too busy thinking about Spidey 2 to waste time with Resistance. Aw. And besides, gonna be a good game. I'd rather... Well, I guess they already did the Ratchet & Clank trilogy for PS3. No, I think it would have to be something on the N64 that I'd really... Banjo-Kazooie, hello. Yeah. I mean, I'd want some of those old-school 3D platformers to Oh, I to played be, him as a character. What'd nice. you think? He's good. Um, I don't know how he works, because, like... His over B attack, it uses the bird, mm-hmm. and like it has, it like shoots you across the screen, but you have feathers above your head. Mm-hmm. Like every time you use that thing, you lose a feather. And I don't know how you charge it up or whatever, but yeah, he was fun. Awesome! Yeah. I'm glad you downloaded him. But yeah, I think Banjo Kazooie would be outstanding. Super Mario 64, just a lot of the heavy hitter you know, classics on the N64 to see those completely redone for current generation consoles, particularly the Nintendo Switch, because playing a classic N64 game in the palms of my hand would be, gosh, my 10-year-old self's head would just explode if I knew that was going to happen, you know? I mean, you you were able to play Super Mario 64 on the, you know, um, the DS, and then, of course, Star Fox and The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time were remade for the 3DS and things like that. But even taking the degree of polish a step further for the Switch, I mean, hell, Breath of the Wilds on the Switch, you know, make an N64 game look like that, oh my gosh, I would just great. melt. Would you ever like a photorealistic Link? That would be so weird. I know, right? Because all of them are very stylistic and, like, cell-shaded. Yeah, I, I think they need to just always stick in, in that. Make him cartoony. Yeah, because... I feel like they always do an excellent job of making it somewhat unique for each game. You know, between Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, Wind Waker, of course. So you a, want like a you want want a Final Fantasy VII remake graphics on a Link? No, that's just too Japanese territory. Like I don't need a it's Final a Fantasy game. Yeah, but like I don't need a Final Fantasy thirteen light uh, like Hope and Snow looking Link. That's just to me. If they made it look more like Kingdom Hearts yeah. 3, like that graphical engine and graphical style, I could get on board with Is that. Is Unreal? I don't know what engine it's on. Okay. But that particular style, I could see a Link looking like that. But photorealistic would just be... I mean, that's just like an imagining a Legend of Zelda movie. Like, live action, real people. Yeah. Playing him. Live action from, like, anime stuff do not translate well. Like, they made a... Uh... What is it? Death Note. They made a Full Metal Alchemist. Like they're cringy. Let's not even talk about the Dragon Ball Z movie that came out. That was such ago. bullshit. Yeah. Goku wasn't even ripped. He was a freaking high schooler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the worst of them all, Ryan. Avatar. Freaking Ong. <laughs> Our boy M Night Shyamalan really screwed that one up. That was so bad. Like we, that was embarrassing. We put arrows on our head. Did you really? Yeah, we dressed up. Yeah. We got excited. We put arrows on our head, and we went into them. Um, yeah, I was dating a girl named Tara at the time, like, just over the summer. Mm-hmm. And, like, after that, we broke up because we were so, like... Emotionally sad. distraught yeah. from that experience. It was bad. Like, halfway through, we are like, trying to wipe off the arrows from our head. Like, <laughs> like we didn't care about this movie. That's well, like, song. in the first opening scene, he said, Ong. That's awful. My name is Ong. 
no like <laughs> the entire cartoon they call it ang yeah oh fuck freaking zuko didn't even have a burn on his eye i rewatched that recently the movie or the tv show oh hell no not the movie the yeah. tv show it's fantastic it holds up still oh yeah thank you again chronolink 91 uh travis i'm sorry hopefully you're not too butthurt over that email but we're moving on ryan to talk about something that's very exciting yes sony uh announced something earlier this week that was just very exciting here we go since we originally unveiled our next generation console in april we know that there's been a lot of excitement and interest in hearing more about what the future of games will bring today i'm proud to share that our next generation console will be called playstation 5 ryan it's not called the Xbox 360 or going back to the Xbox One, even though it's their third console, or Project Totoro, or Dolphin, or none of that bullshit. They're just calling it PlayStation 5 to chronologically come after the PlayStation 4. Makes sense. It's yeah. like rocket science here. It's like they have logic. Freaking Xbox, cause, probably because it's an American company. Probably. And it says, we'll be launching in time for holiday 2020. And I'll move forward here to... to uh, Kind of talk about some of the things that they're the key innovations they're talking about. So wait, wait, do you think it's going to be Xbox Two, or do you think it's going to be Xbox Seven Twenty? No, I already told you it's going to be the Xbox Infinity. Is that if like a confirmed thing? Dude, Phil Spencer and I had coffee last week. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What do you do after Infinity and beyond? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Just buzz light. You're plastered on the Xbox. All right, God, so good luck getting the rights from Disney on that one. The two innovations. First, we're adapting haptic feedback to replace the rumble technology found in controllers since the fifth generation of consoles. With haptics, you truly feel a broader range of feedback, so crashing into a wall in a race car feels much different than making a tackle on the football field. You even get a sense for a variety of textures when running through the fields of grass or plodding through mud. The second innovation is something we call adaptive triggers which have been incorporated into the trigger buttons L2 and R2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Developers can program the resistance of the triggers so that you feel the tactile sensation of drawing a bow and arrow or accelerating an off-road vehicle through rocky terrain. In combination with the haptics, this can produce a powerful experience that better simulates various actions. Game creators have, crea or have started to receive early versions of the new controller, and we can't wait to see where their imagination goes with these new features at their disposable disposal. So Ryan, uh, what do you what do you think about this? About the controllers? Just general announcement. I guess some of these little new innovations. I'm excited about PS5. Um, I, we are talking, and you're saying you probably won't get it right away. No, I don't think so. And kind of what I want to get into here is, then I brought up the entire list of launch games that came alongside various consoles. And what I'd like to do, Ryan, is go through from the N64 to now, we're not doing handheld systems, just main home consoles, from the launch list of games, you can pick two. Okay, from each console? Yes. And then when we get to PlayStation 5, let's just rattle off a few games that, theoretically speaking, what we would we go out to our nearest store and buy the console day one for? Okay. All right? So we're going to start with the PlayStation. And I'm not going to go through every console for um, that generation, just the more notable ones. It's yeah. so like for this generation, PlayStation, N64, all right? So the U.S. launch, and you're not going to know half of these games. Nope. Battle Arena Toshinden, ESPN Extreme Games, Kaleak the DNA Imperative, NBA Jam Tournament Edition, Power Serve 3D Tennis, 
Raiden Project, Rayman, Ridge Racer, Street Fighter the Movie, Total Eclipse Turbo, and Twisted Metal. Ryan, you can pick two games. Rayman and Twisted Metal. All right. I'm going to pick Rayman and Battle Arena Toshinden because it's an amazing fighter. Twisted Metal is a car game. It is. And what is the... I've never heard of Toshinden. Battle Arena Toshinden. It's a really wacky fighter, but it's good times. Now, Ryan, the N64 had an unbelievable number of launch games, so bear with me here. The U.S. launch of the N64, Pilot Wing 64, and Super Mario 64. That's it. That's it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll take two out of the three, the last two. <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to do the same thing here. Holy uh, cow. That's such a weak launch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we have the PS2, GameCube, and Xbox. Okay. You ready for this? The PlayStation 2 actually has an unbelievable catalog of launch games. SSX, Dead or Alive 2, Hardcore, Tekken Tag Tournament, Armored Core 2, Dynasty Warriors 2, Rayman Revolution, bunch of ESPN games, Eternal Ring, Evergrace, Fantavision, Gun Griffin Blaze, Kessen, Madden, Midnight Club Street Racing, MotoGP, NHL 2001, Orphan, Sign of Sorcery, Q-Ball, Billiards, Master, one of Ryan's favorite games, Ready to Rumble Boxing, Round 2, Ridge Racer 5, Silent Scope, Smuggler's Run, Street Fighter EX3, Summoner, Swing Away Golf, Time Splitters, Unreal Tournament, Wild Wild Racing, and X-Squad. We'll take one of the racing games in SSX. Is that SSX Trixie? No. Uh, Trixie actually wasn't released to store shelves. They had to remove it because Trixie was too provocatively dressed. Tricky was released, though. That was the second (laughs) game in the SSX series. (laughs) Wow. Um, All right, that's fair. (laughs) Touche. Yeah. I think I would pick SSX. It's just like a stripper on the front. (laughs) All right. Come hop on my board, boys. Let's do yeah, some her, snowboarding. Uh, the little poles she's using to ski are actually like stripper poles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would pick SSX and Tekken Tag term- Tournament because Eddie, my... Um, what's that country that starts with a J? Jamiria. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Jamaica. Jamaica. <laughs> my Jamaican breakdancer, Eddie, man. He was the man. Tekken Tag Tournament's one of my favorite fighters ever. Okay. So I would pick SSX and Tekken Tag Tournament. You're going with SSX, Trixie, and... One of the many racing games. <laughs> one of the racing games. All right, Midnight Club. It's a good one from Rockstar. The GameCube, Ryan. Not too terrible of a launch lineup here. All-Star Baseball 2002, Batman Vengeance, Crazy Taxi, Dave Mira, Freestyle BMX 2, Disney's Tarzan Untamed, Luigi's Mansion... Madden, NHL Hits 2002, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader, Super Monkey Ball, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, and Wave Race Blue Storm. Star Wars and um, Luigi's Mansion. Ah, Yeah, this is really tough for me. Luigi's Mansion is an absolute must. And then Monkey Ball. And that's the thing here. I'm, I'm kind of struggling between Rogue Leader monkey ball and pro skater three because tony hawk three and four were amazing yeah and then it went downhill um all right so we're next door neighbors ryan you're getting rogue squadron or you're getting rogue leader and i'm getting super monkey ball okay well we'll, that works we'll borrow each other's copies yeah microsoft xbox ryan the u.s launch in 2001 we got our boy shrek 
Halo Combat Evolved, Oddworld Munch's Odyssey, Dead or Alive 3, Project Gotham Racing, NFL Fever 2002, Air Force Delta Storm, Mad Dash Racing, Cell Damage, Arctic Thunder, Fusion Frenzy, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X. Hmm. Halo, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then maybe pro- the Skater one? The Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2X? Yeah. Hmm. I think I would probably just do the same. Oddworld Munch's Odyssey, I think, is a weird platformer action-adventure game. Mad Dash Racing is a really weird game where you're just like these um, animals racing. Like, you're not in cars. Like, they're literally running, I think. Okay. It's a really There's strange game. There's also a pinata game. Viva Pinata? Yeah. That wasn't a launch title. Okay. Well, I'll those t- animals running around are being beaten. I'll take. Uh, I'll do Tony Hawk and Halo as well. Okay, cool. We go down to the seventh generation, Ryan. This is really exciting times. The Ooh. Xbox 360, Wii, and PS3. 360, here we go. Amped 3, Call of Duty 2, Condemned Criminal Origins, FIFA 06, Road to the World Cup, Gun, Cameo, Elements of Power, a bunch of sports games, Perfect Dark Zero, Peter Jackson's King Kong, a fantastic first-person adventure game, Project Gotham Racing 3, Quake 4, Ridge Racer 6, Tiger Woods, and Tony Hawk, Americans Wasteland. Probably King Kong and Quake. Oh, yeah? Interesting choices. Uh, If I hadn't played King Kong to that point, right, I would have probably picked... Oh, no, this is tough. All right, we're next to neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Cheating again. I'm taking Gun and Cameo Elements of Power because that's a rare developed... 3D platformer adventure type game okay. where you can transform your main protagonist character into like different animals and creatures and stuff. It sounds interesting. So I'm picking those two games. And Gun is the better, superior Red Dead Redemption. Let's be honest, people. Is it the one with natives? <laughs> yes. Native Americans <laughs> that are people. Let's make that very yeah. clear. The PlayStation 3, Ryan. That was so bad. That was horrible. <laughs> PlayStation 3, we've got Blazing Angels Squadrons of World War II, Call of Duty 3, Genji Days of the Blade, Madden NFL 07, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, Mobile Suit Gundam, Crossfire, or Gundam, NBA game, NHL, Resistance Fall of Man, Ryan's favorite game of all time, Ridge Racer 7, Tiger Woods, Tony Hawk Project 8, and Untold Legends Dark Kingdom. Untold Legends and Resistance. I think I'm going with... You said this was PSP? Three. What? There was a uh, like a 3D action brawler game on the PS3 launch title. It was, on, on the un, it was the Untold Legends series before it made its way to PSP. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically the same game. Well, Bro- Brotherhood of the Blade was more of a top-down Diablo clone. This was a 3D action game, like hack and slash. Like a Tecmo oh. Koei, millions of people on screen... Okay. So you want that game? Sure, why not? All right. I'm going to do Resistance and probably Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, that was another good one. It was a really fun um, spawn-in, spawn-out co-op game. The new one doesn't look good, but... No, the one for the Wii, or the, the Switch. It looks like last gen. It really does. Um, Chronicle 9 1 actually played that, though. I'm the not, new one? Yeah, I'm not sure how we thought about it, but... 
The Wii, Ryan. We, we shat on Travis for the entire six minutes, so we can shit on his choice of video games. Yeah, you suck. You suck, Chrono Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you as a person, not your video game choice. <laughs> we love you, Chrono. Yeah. The Wii. Thanks for talking for six minutes. Yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender. M. Night Shyamalan actually wrote, developed, and um, created this game. How great would an Avatar game be open world? That would be pretty sweet. That would be awesome. And you get like skill trees, mm-hmm. kind of like, um, what's that electrical game where you can go letter dark? Infamous. Yeah. You could do that and get different skill trees. I'd be game. Yeah, level up your uh, wind. I'll make some calls this week, Ryan. I would love that. Don't even worry about it. Do it. Call of Duty 3. Cars, Dragon Ball Z, Budokai, Tenkaichi 2. <laughs> sure. That's yeah. a mouthful. Excite Truck, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, GT Pro Series, Happy Feet, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, Madden, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, Monster 4 on 4x4 World Circuit, Need for Speed Carbon, Rampage Total Destruction, Rayman Raving Rabbids, ours for days, Red Steel, SpongeBob SquarePants, Creature from the Krusty Krab, Super Monkey Ball, Banana Blitz, Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam, Trauma Center, Second Opinion, and Wii Sports. That doesn't count. That comes with the console. Okay, probably Monkey Ball and Zelda. Okay. I think I'm going to get Zelda and Red Steel, even though people are not big fans of that game. I think it showcased the function waggle controls relatively well, even if it was a flawed game. Every day we're waggling. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, Good stuff. Now we move into, I guess, current generation, Ryan. If we could, uh, I guess, um, they skipped that. So let's just say PS4 launch titles. Um, all right, Ryan, you ready for this? Yep. I'm Angry Birds, Star Wars, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, Battlefield 4, Black Light Retribution, Call of Duty Ghosts, Contrast, DC Universe Online, Dive Kick, FIFA, Injustice, Gods Among Us, Ultimate Edition, Just Dance, Killzone Shadowfall, Knack, Lego Marvel Superheroes, Bunch of Sports Games, Rezogun, Skylanders, Super Motherload, Trine 2, and Warframe. Warframe and um, Battlefield 4. I think I'm going to select Killzone Shadowfall. That one is my other choice. <laughs> okay. We live next door. Don't worry about it, right? Yeah, okay. And then Knack, because that just looked like a platforming adventure game in the vein of Majin the Forsaken Kingdom, kind of, or... Um, there was another game similar to that that I can't remember the name of on the 360. Oh, it's not ringing a bell, but I'm sure listeners out there know what I'm talking about. Cool. But I picked that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, uh, it's, I'm going to yell at my sleep tonight. I don't really remember. Xbox One launch titles. Let's check this one out. Odyssey to the West. Enslaved Odyssey to the West. That's what I was thinking of. That game kind of reminds me of Knack. Anyways, Ryan, the uh, launch lineup for the Xbox One is very similar to the PS4, but let's look at some of the different games here. Crimson Dragon, Dead Rising 3, Forza Motorsport 5, Killer Instinct, Loco Cycle, Rise, Son of Rome, look like an amazing um, kind of first-person Spartan Warrior type game. 
Zoo Tycoon and Zumba Fitness. Sounds like a lame launch. Oh yeah, it really was a lame launch. Zoo opinion. Tycoon and that like Rome one. Yeah, I think I would pick Rise and maybe Dead Rising three. Okay. And I apologize, folks. There's someone out there listening to uh, some music, so hopefully that's not picked up too much on the mic. And then the Switch launch titles, Ryan. We can't forget about the good old Switch, right? I don't. Is that? Yeah. No, keep going. Keep looking up. I'm gonna. All right. Launch day one for the Nintendo Switch. You got one, two Switch, Breath of the Wild, Sky Skylanders Imaginators, Just Dance 2017, Super Bomberman R. I am Setsuna, World of Goo, Little Inferno, Human Resource Machine, Snipper Clips, Cut It Out Together, Fast RMX, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight and Zelda. All right, I'm going to pick Super Bomberman R and Zelda, even though Super Bomberman was not held in the highest of regards. Did you ever beat Zelda? Uh, Link's Awakening? Uh, whatever the new one is on Switch. Yeah, I'd not, I've not beaten that yet. Dude. You need to make that a priority. I do, but, you know, ukulele's taking my time right now. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, th- I thought that was kind of fun. I wanted to just kind of go through, see how the launch lineups, how they compare. And I would say the launch lineup for the past generation kind of sucked. Yeah. PS4, Xbox One. Better than N64. Well, let's be honest. You only needed Super Mario 64 for that yeah, console true. day one. And Smash. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so for PlayStation 5, what it would take for me to go day one, I I really don't think there's any game that they could showcase that I'd be like, I need to have it. Um, no. Even if they threw another Uncharted game out there where you know Nathan Drake's in, kind of playing almost the Sully uh, figure and his daughter's kind of gets captured or something and he has to go save her, you know, whatever the crazy bombastic plot is, I don't even think a new Uncharted game would get me to go day one because if you know it's going to be probably... Five ninety nine, right? Five ninety nine. Oh, the system. The price, yeah. yeah probably about six hundred bucks, or like five fifty if you want to get like the lesser gigabyte model, or terabyte model. Compare, yeah, it'll probably be like terabytes at it'll this be point. Terabytes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it would take. Elder Scrolls is not going to be a launch title because I mean it's next year. There's nowhere they're close to being done. No, they're still working on that. Other, other game, game that I haven't heard any or seen anything for Starbound or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if that I don't know if that's supposed to be the worthy successor to a Mass Effect space opera type game, but um, let's see, God of War is not going to come out. Spidey two, there's no way. Yeah, those are the only ones. Like maybe Horizon. 2. I really think they could they could launch with Horizon two on I mean, the console. Yeah. What would what would you do though if Elden Ring the next from software game was not coming to current gen and it was going to launch with PS5. Oh, that would be a hard one. <laughs> and is it supposed to not come to current gen? No, I think it's supposed to come next year. Oh, is it? Yeah. Look it up. Well, dude, no, there's not a specific release date, but I mean if the PS5 oh, is coming in 2020 holiday season, Elden Ring better oh, hurry it up. All right. It looks amazing. What if you have this wouldn't happen, but you've got Horizon Zero Dawn 2, Elden Ring, and Ghost of Tsushima coming day one to the PlayStation 5. And Just Dance 2021's on there too. <laughs> <laughs> got me at Just Dance. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
that I would have to reconsider. Yeah. Well, because in the biggest selling point too is backwards compatibility, right? Yeah. And if it has backwards compatibility, I can sell my PS4. I can cloud transfer my saves from my games somehow, or like use a hard drive. I guess I could just stick a hard drive in there, get all my save data out of there. I mean, if I can get a nice penny for my PS4, sell a bunch of other crap that I don't need, which I have a lot of it, then I, I, I jump in for five fifty. Yeah. If I get Ghost of Tsushima, Elden Ring. Dude, Elden Ring is going to be amazing. Yeah. I've been really, Martin. Dude, I've been itching to get back into a Dark Souls game. Me too. Luckily, Monster Hunter is like hard enough that it has some of the difficulty of like dodge rolling and things. Mm-hmm. But I could go for another run through a Dark Souls. Oh, man. I get so excited playing those games. I'd probably have to go back to um, either two, Scholars of the Sin, or First Sin, or whatever it's called. I can't go back to that game. Or Bloodborne. Uh, doing another run in that because I haven't played it. I beat it once and then I played again in New Game Plus and I haven't played it since. Yeah, I've beaten that one three times. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I beat Dark Souls 3 earlier this year and I feel like I could jump right back into that game. I do a new build. Yeah. Do a wizard build. I remember you saying that was awesome. That was like rediscovering video games. (laughs) Really? It was amazing because it's so different than like a sword run. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, <clears throat> controlling your magic and, like, upgrading your weapons and, like, you have to find specific stuff. Um, and then being able to, like, I upgraded it or leveled up so I could do a claymore or, like, a, a long, not a long sword, like a two-handed sword and my little wizard staff. And then you can infuse your, like, weapons with magic. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I might have to do that. Yeah. And there's, like, these ear things that, like, drastically increase your magic damage and the second you get that in like the swamp area you're just like destroying stuff Mm -hmm. like fighting the um what are those dudes who like multiply there's like three of them yeah the you know what i'm talking about uh oh yeah or not grave watchers uh i know i know exactly what you're talking about yeah little scythe guys Right, they have scythes? No, he like he comes out and like the opening cutscene is him stabbing a sword into the dude who looks exactly like him. Okay. I I, I know who you're talking about. They look like Nazgul's or something like that. Yeah, right? kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um Abyss Watchers. The Abyss Watchers, yep. Yeah, so f- basically you're standing like running around the background as you're like casting magic at them. Hmm. And like that fight is significantly easier. Yeah. But like you unlock the wizard like right off the bat. Um, and he basically teaches you spells and you bring him new books and then he opens up like new lines of magic nice oh it's so good yeah I'm looking forward to hopping back into a Dark Souls game soon and uh, Elden Ring I just I'm itching to hear more about that game I think it's gonna be fantastic Ryan my voice is going I think we need to probably you know the sun's almost down cap off the podcast Scooby's probably gonna need to go out again soon yeah here morning so holy shit (laughs) fuck you scared me Lauren just, uh, how's it going, Lauren? I thought we were going to be murdered. Scooby's got to go out. So we just want to thank all of you fine folks for listening. Please drop into the Discord. Let us know what it would take for you to buy PlayStation 5 day one. Ukulele 2? Let me know. Let Ryan and I both know. There's a lot of activity going on in the Discord, and we want to see more of it. If you want to write into the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Ryan, any parting words? Have a good week. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, folks. Have a good one.